Blog Talk Radio.
President Trump, this man that is is accumulating hate by the day, stirring up the wicked hearts of Americans to, um, I just just he's just stirring this this race pot like never before. But uh, I promise you, tonight we got a lot coming at you. We're gonna talk a little bit about the stirring of this racial uh, pot, stirring of wicked hearts of men, stirring up white supremacists, stirring up people that love God, stirring up people that hate God, stirring up, stirring up this president, this president, where can I start? I mean, he is just, you know what, family and friends of Five Smooth Stones, I actually believe this man is actually being used as the father to bring his people uh, together, to bring his people. I think the father does allow Pharaoh, so to speak, to be born, to, to, to rule over a people uh, uh, just to bring them to him. And I'll talk about that a little later. I'm kind of jumping ahead. But I'm a little bit excited tonight, a little bit, little bit hyped um, uh, uh, tonight. And so uh, I just want to, again, just uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for stopping by Fossil Stone. I see people are already on the phone lines as well as in the chat room. want to thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all for stopping by Five Smooth Stones, and I really mean that. And uh, while I'm thinking the friends of Five Smooth Stones for stopping by and checking me out, checking us out, because I'm going to have on some guests tonight, uh, I want to also acknowledge my family, uh, the, the Douglas Kennedy family that has been a major supporter of this network called Five Smooth Stones. Thank y'all for really stopping by and, and checking out your cousin and seeing what he's about. So let me just go ahead and just read the show's description. Can't go wrong with that. And it's where everybody will know what we are talking about tonight, where we can all be on one accord, okay? Well, earlier I sent a message via email, text, Facebook, and this is what I sent to many of you. And this, again, is for those who didn't get this message. This is what's happening tonight. I typed earlier. Is Trump being used by the Father to oppress blacks, in parenthesis, Israelites, back to him? Let me repeat that. Again, this is the message I sent out to many of you. Is Trump, President Trump, being used by the Father to oppress blacks, in parenthesis, Israelites, back to him? President Trump called NFL protesters, mainly blacks, of the national anthem, Sons of Bitches, sparking a worldwide protest, especially from NFL players and owners. Trump and fake white supremacist, in parenthesis, is making it clear that he will continue as a wicked pharaoh to taunt and oppress African Americans. Let me repeat that again. Trump and, in parenthesis, white supremacist, is making it clear that he will continue as a wicked pharaoh to taunt press African Americans. That is the truth. Wow, just, just that statement right there does something to me. Anyway, I went on to type today. In higher education and religious institution, no one seems to want to be negative or entertain the uncomfortable reality that pain is often used to alert the body or humans of a bigger problem. African Americans have now been discovered by millions worldwide to be true bloodline Jews slash Israelites of the Bible. 
This means that their lifelong plight is the most documented of all times in Scripture. One more time. This means that their African Americans, we're talking about lifelong plight, is the most documented of all time in Scripture. This also means nothing shall befall this people, good or evil, without hundreds of prophecies dictating it be so. One more time, I'll read that one. This also means nothing shall befall this people, good or evil, without hundreds of prophecies dictating it be so. So I went on to say, join us tonight for answers, solutions, and hope. Again, Join us tonight for answers, solutions, and hope. This is what I sent out to many of you, and I see we got a, a big response here on the phone lines. Thank y'all again for tuning in early. I mean, y'all are early, early, and uh, uh, we may not repeat, so it pays to be on time. So anyway, I just want to, again, thank you for your time. Family and friends of Five Smooth Stone, listen, I'm going to kind of move a little fast tonight because we got some uh, – uh, I know we're going to have some callers calling in. And by the way, since I'm speaking of callers calling in, uh, anyone that want to speak tonight, you know the rules, many of you do. And that is to press 1 if you need to comment. And we're trying to, we want to try to limit your comments to no more than about three and um, eh, three or four minutes. Uh, and for those of you that really get into it, we'll, we'll just, just kind of we'll let you know if you can stay on the line even longer. But we try to talking around three or four minutes if possible because I know this is a very heated um, conversation with regards to racism and Colin Kaepernick and this whole thing. So I want to go ahead and just play some clips just so some of you uh, who don't have a clue living under, I don't know, a rock, uh, you have no idea what we're talking about. So I wanted to go ahead and start off with a clip by uh, both the president and Colin Kaepernick themselves so you will know exactly what was said, how it was said, we will know exactly uh, what we're doing tonight. But we don't just want to limit the, tonight's show to Colin Kaepernick. Folks, listen, we're going to hit this in so many angles, it's not going to be funny. We're also going to talk about the white supremacists. You know, these are very intelligent people. I know some of y'all may not think so, but a lot of these white people that are acting out, that, that is speaking up, they are not stupid. They're not ignorant. In some ways, okay, and we want to talk about this conversation from their standpoint, and many of you listening will probably feel this way, and so that's why I think it's no more fair that we hear both sides, pro-Colin and those that are against Colin, pro-kneeling, those that are against kneeling, okay, uh, those that is for this whole business of, um, <laughs> what's the word, that the white supremacists is, is shouting loud and clear these days, uh, a lot of people, diversity, diversity, we want to talk about that tonight. We want to talk about diversity, the good, the pros, the cons. <laughs> Y'all have no idea what's coming your way tonight, family. We are going to look at this thing both ways because when, if you can just bring both people at the table, you can kind of see what um, what w the solution. That's the only way we we can't just look at things from one side. So I'm just kind of fumbling with my thumb around here because I'm trying to get this audio to start. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I got it going. All right, here comes your president talking about uh, 
uh, Colin Kaepernick and his infamous uh, statement here about uh, how he feel about uh, uh, these black men all over the NFL and, and really all sports kneeling and paying homage to uh, the, this cause that Colin Kaepernick is talking about. So we'll be right back, folks. Let me play this little short clip, and then I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go ahead and follow that with Colin Kaepernick himself. And uh, we'll be right back. Check this out. This is the President of the United States. This is what we're talking about tonight, among other things. I just want to go ahead and play him because some of you haven't even heard his initial comment. And then we'll come back and uh, play Colin and what he has to say. And then uh, we'll talk about this and hit him at, on all angles. Trust me, uh, we got a lot coming at you. Check this out. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! You know, some owner's going to do that. He's going to say, that guy that disrespects our flag, he's fired. And that owner, they don't know it. They don't know it. They're friends of mine, many of them. They don't know it. They'll be the most popular person for a week. They'll be the most popular person in this country because that's a total disrespect of our heritage. That's a total disrespect of everything that we stand for, okay? everything that we stand for. And I know we have freedoms and we have freedom of choice and many, many different freedoms. But you know what? It's still totally disrespectful. And you know, when the NFL ratings are down massively, massively, the NFL ratings are down massively. Now, the number one reason happens to be that they like watching what's happening on, you know, with yours first. They like what's happening. This, because, you know, today, if you hit too hard, right? They hit too hard. 15 yards, throw him out of the game. They had that last week. I watched for a couple of minutes. And two guys just really beautiful tackle. Boom, 15 yards. The referee gets on television. His wife is sitting at home. She's so proud of him. They're ruining the game. Right? They're ruining the game. Hey, look, that's what they want to do. They want to hit, okay? They want to hit, but, but it is hurting the game. Heated debate stirred up by Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers quarterback, refusing to stand for the national anthems of four games. Fans protesting uh, his jersey. They're burning it. You see some of that right there. And now he's speaking out to defend his actions. ABC's Ryan Smith is here with the latest. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, George. Amy, Colin Kaepernick is speaking out about his protest, and he's not backing down, with fans by the thousands attacking him online for refusing to stand. As you mentioned, some even burning his jersey. The quarterback saying he's, by sitting down, he's standing up for what he thinks needs to change. Colin, here's my salute to you. 
Colin Kaepernick under fire from fans and fellow players after his refusal to stand up for the national anthem, doubling down overnight. I'll continue to sit. I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. When there's significant change and I feel like that flag represents what it's supposed to represent, I'll stand. Kaepernick going to run it. The 49ers dual threat quarterback with the rocket arm and lightning quick feet staying seated during the national anthem at Friday's preseason game, telling the NFL Network, I'm not going to stand up and show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. I have experienced this. People close to me have experienced this. So it's something that needs to be addressed. Kaepernick clarifying Sunday that refusing to honor the flag doesn't mean he's disrespecting the military. People are dying in vain because this country isn't holding their end of the bargain up as far as, you know, giving freedom and justice and liberty to everybody. The 28-year-old, frequently outspoken on civil rights issues online, seemingly began his protest weeks earlier, sitting during the anthem for the team's previous two preseason games, though few seemed to notice. But after Friday's game, outrage, thousands flooding his Twitter page with comments. Giants receiver Victor Cruz saying sitting down isn't the right way to stand up. You have to stand up there with your team and, and, uh, and understand that it's this game and what's going on around the country is bigger than just you. While others defending Kaepernick, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban weighing in. He didn't throw a bomb, fire a shot, start a riot, throw a punch. He just sat there quietly. Kaepernick says the vitriol he's now facing is worth it to make a point. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, I really respect you for what you're doing and what you're standing for. The NFL telling ABC News in a statement players are encouraged but not required to stand during the national anthem. But when asked if this will get him cut from the team, the quarterback says he doesn't know, adding that if he's cut, he feels he did what he feels is right, and he can live with that at the end of the day, George. Okay, Ryan, thanks. Let's bring in ESPN Stephen A. Smith for more on this. And Stephen, you've done. just again play one more clip of Colin Kaepernick. It's a little bit shorter just so we know what we're talking about. We don't want to misfire. We want to know exactly what we are talking about. We won't, it won't be no hearsay. You'll hear straight from the source. One more clip of Colin and then we'll get into this heavily I'm sure heated debate. Here we go. Were there any themes, general themes yeah. from what you were listening to on social media? Today? Well, and, and you kind of heard it with those people talking. If you side with the president, then you find it just plain disrespectful. And you're really not going to be able to change your opinion on that. You're not really listening to what the other side is saying. You know, what I heard from the other side, one of the most poignant uh, responses we got was from somebody saying, you can disagree with it, agree with it, but these are the kind of conversations we have to have in order for us to move forward in this country. All right, we're going to try to do that tonight. Yeah. Ryan, thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's go back to how this whole thing started, right? It, it started with Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback for the 49ers. Not and this is actually some commentators about it. sat down My during bad. a preseason game last year protesting the shooting of black Americans by police. He actually told everyone why he was doing it. Let me read it to you, what he said last year, Colin Kaepernick. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies on the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. Well, as we know, his protests evolved into the taking of a knee instead of sitting down. He's been joined by teammates and joined by folks all over the NFL. So today's protests, were they about the social injustice that Colin Kaepernick was protesting, or was it all just a reaction 
to the president's remarks. Well, the two Falcons who took a knee today uh, did talk to the media about this today. Uh, Dante Dontari Poe, the defensive tackle, said it was about social injustice for him, while uh, Grady Jarrett, a defensive lineman, said that it had been on his mind before, and he was also uh, said it was awesome to have the support of the organization. So what's the other question here? What is the league policy when it comes to these protests by players? There were some comments on Facebook today saying there's a policy that requires players to stand. Well, we did some research today, and uh, there's nothing in the CBA, the, the collective bargaining agreement, the union contract about it, and there's nothing really in the league rule book, book about it, although NBC says that the NFL could apply Article 8, which is uh, pregame messages. But there's no plans to do that, and we haven't heard anything about the NFL taking any action there. Um, in 
if you want to find any information about me, you can uh, also look me up on Facebook, and that's Elishua Israel Elton. As to the issues tonight, for the most part, I think it's just one of many things that we're going to unfold in the uh, months ahead. And that, uh, you know, Scripture says all things work for the good of those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. So, and the end result, of course, it's going to work to our favor, but the issue is how do we navigate the in-between. And I think that that's what's intrinsically important right now because um, there are many voices in the land, and there are, not all voices are speaking with wisdom and with understanding. Neither are they also speaking with the benefit of prophetic perspective. So I think that the show is definitely a um, significant one, important one, so that people can understand what we're dealing with, what we're going to be dealing with, and what's the best way to approach it for the to ensure, first of all, the safety of lives, and then secondly, as you said, is uh, a plan to proceed here for the future. Brother Seth? Brother Seth? I'm sorry, I had my, little, I had my mute button on. Well, I just want to say, everybody, this is Ellis Shure, a.k.a. Gary Ellison. Again, he's on Facebook, good friend of ours. As as he was saying, many of you know him from uh, being on this show many, many times, but we, I appreciate him doing a little short intro uh, just so y'all will be able to uh, know a little bit better. Folks, listen, um, if you ever, I'm sure some of you have, I went to do a presentation and there were so many angles to take you just to know where to start. This is like that kind of. Uh, there are so many angles to take on this. I've been listening to both sides, uh, Brother Elishua. And, uh, you know, people think that racists are unreasonable. They think they are um, ignorant, which sometimes it does involve ignorance. But let me just say this tonight. Tonight's show, I want to put something on your mind, folks. This is America. We're talking about very intelligent people on both sides with regards to this whole kneeling down for the flag, the flag, what it means, uh, patriotism, paying homage to America, paying homage to the history of America, even taking down statues and all of this stuff, because this, this ties right into Charlottesville kind of and it's just right now, this president, Elishua, is setting the tone for some strong, strong um, racist behavior. And I, at first, like most people, instead of, you know, instead of getting really, really upset, um, well, like most of I was getting upset, but then I had to sit back and think as a believer, as a one that fears the Father and and that seeks his wisdom and, and, and want to follow his way. I began to look at the big picture, so to speak. And, Brother Elishua, I really think that uh, the Father has his hand in using this man to... Oh, what was that noise there? I heard a little noise. Okay. The Father has his hands on somebody tomorrow I was just too close to the mic, so y'all bear with me here. And let me know, LSU, if you can't hear me if I'm my mouth if I'm if I'm a little blurry, okay? Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear yeah, you. Yeah, let clear. me know. It's very important. 
But listen, family and friends of Five Smooth Stones, I want everybody to really listen to what we're saying tonight. Ella Shure, if you and I and any other guests that that's going to show up tonight, if we do a good job at the end of this show, I think people should understand both sides. Passionately, I might add. I mean, <laughs> this country, as much as our dogs it out, talks about the CIA, New World Order, prophecy, how it's Babylon, all of these things. The same, at the end of the day, family and friends, this is our home. It, it's a home. It should be our home. How about that? Now, I know that many of us believe that we are the people of the Bible. We're Israelites. Um, uh, it's just not a conversation to really get into that too deep. If y'all don't know that, just kind of bear with us. You don't have to believe we Israelites to understand what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about some moral issues tonight that it don't matter whether or not we Israelites or not. It's still we still going to hit some points. But I believe, Ella Shure, that we are the people of the Bible. I believe that we are one of the lost tribes of Israel. And the Bible talks about a remnant of them being salvaged, saved, and that the Father is going to do a work with a remnant of his people. The Bible talks about that Israel will be restored in terms of to their identity. Now, he even said that a remnant of, of them is going to return to Israel. Now, right now, the bones uh, prophesied in Ezekiel 6, uh, 37 the shaking of the bones, the the, the formation of the, those bones taking on flesh is happening. Millions of people is coming into their identity, and then all of a sudden, who do we have in office? Donald Trump. I believe with all my heart, and I would like to, to, to just really nail this home tonight, and maybe some of you may oppose, let us know by pressing one, come on the phone line, let us know. But I really think that the Father is using this man to stir up the hearts of wicked people all over this country that is going to oppress us in a way we have never seen. And when that happens, we are going to, as Israel have always done, when that hammer comes down, they cry out to the Father. And he is going to resurrect his people. Now, I don't think all of us is going to turn to him or nothing like that. But the world is going to know very shortly, Brother Elishua, who Israel is. Now, why is this important to tonight's show? Brother Seth, why are you going down that road? I don't even believe we Israel. I want you to just sit back, those of you that's not really sure about this, and just listen to what's going to be presented tonight. Again, tonight's show is not to prove so much we Israel as to talk about what is going on in the spiritual application. So many people look at the news, and Brother Elisha, I thought I'm done here. I want you to jump in here real quick, uh, you know, but I don't want you, I don't want to dominate what I'm saying, but i got to say this. So many people is just looking at the news and getting emotional, looking at the news and getting emotional. Folks, we have never been accepted in this country. Your mother, father, their mother's fathers, their mother's fathers, we have never been comfortable. We've never been able to relax. We've never been able to feel like this is our home. And nobody want to address this big elephant in the room. While this should be our country, 
I should be at home. We pay taxes. We die in wars. All of these things. We can keep saying it forever. This is our home. This is our home. This is our home. It should be our home, as I was saying earlier. But the reality is, for the African-American, this is not your home, baby. This is not your home. This is not what home feels like. And instead of people saying, well, Father, what does this mean? Why? Why? Why are we at the bottom of every single aspect of life? Colin Kaepernick is just one of thousands of things that's happened to us every day, all day. That's why he's getting so much attention, because he resonates in the heart of all of us. So, LSU, I want you to comment on that. Donald Trump being used of the Father possibly to oppress as his foreparents have done. But this man, this man has no shame. He's not like Hillary. People think there's a difference between Hillary and Donald, Donald Trump. I got news for y'all. I don't think there is. I just think with Hillary, she's classier. Remember, three strikes you out, all these black men in prison. That was that was the Clintons. With Trump, he's just got the the if you excuse me, the balls, the backbone to just basically tell you how you feel and for it's over with. Don't be shocked if you don't hear the N word come out of his mouth. He is just letting us have it and I think as Israelites we need a president to let us know exactly what this country is about. This man is basically saying, you are beneath us. This is not your country. He's telling these foreigners, I don't want you here. You're not American. We want to make America great again. We want to make America white again. Think about the insult of that. He hired straight-up white supremacist Steve Bannon, which the people have pushed him out. But the man has other white supremacists on his in, on his staff in the White House. It's not just Steve Bannon. I mean, straight up white supremacy, y'all. This is the current White House, and this is your America. Brother LSU, please comment on that, and then we're going to go even deeper and hit this thing. I want to talk about the whole falseness, fakeness of race based upon color, how it's not biblical. I want to talk about, I want to switch this conversation eventually and talk about looking at it from a racist standpoint. I mean, you know, uh, whites is becoming a minority. Diversity is a curse to them. It's the most evil thing that can happen to any people. They, excuse me, excuse me, let me back up, let me back up, I said that wrong. Diversity to some white America is straight up suicide to them. Diversity to some white America, and I think these are white people that are being honest I honestly believe that. I think a lot of whites are not being honest. I'm not saying everybody would agree with us. It's not honest. There's some whites that see the whole picture. They understand God's wisdom on this. But then there's some whites that feel like we are genetically about to be annihilated as a people, and I'm going to do something about it. To me, that's intelligence. That's what we're crying out right now. That's what Colin is crying out about. He is seeing young black males, LSU, being massacred on the streets of the U.S., and he's crying out. Whites are crying out because diversity is massacring them on an even bigger scale. Comment on that, Brother LSU, please. 
Yep. Seth, you put a lot forth there in a short period of time. But I'll say this from the beginning that, and we'll work, and I'll work, we will probably work our way through this, and that is that the scripture is the central orientation from which all these political events derive. So what, what we are experiencing, what we're witnessing, watching, is the unfolding of prophetic scripture fulfilling itself right before our eyes. Now, if you don't understand who we are, then that is a concept that is, for the most part, probably foreign. Um, and that's not just for people who are unbelievers. It's most foreign to people who are believers, uh, i.e. Christians. If you do not know who we are in regards to <clears throat> what the scripture says, then you're going to miss the, 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 the most basic aspect of the foundation for what's going on and what's taking place. As in regards to dealing with uh, with uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump, <clears throat> let's put it like this here. We know that Donald Trump is in office for the same um, political majority effect as was George Bush. And that means that the, the, the particular voting block that put them both over into the election was the Christian voting block. Scripture, we know that there is something in which the Israelites were asking the father for a king, and that was after they came out of Egyptian, Egyptian captivity and bondage. So they wanted to be like all the other nations, and they sought the most high for a king. And he told them what would be the result of them coming in under the governorship of a king. He said he would tax you, he would oppress you, he would, all of these things he listed. There's also an instance in Scripture where the um, the people begin to seek the most high for uh, more than what they had. And he said he gave them leanness of soul. As far as Donald Trump is, and one last thing uh, upon this thought is that <clears throat> there is a point in which every individual, every group, every community, every nation can go through in a backslidden state in which that when you get to that point, and the Most High has constantly, frequently sending you omens, if it will, signs, if it will, that you need to, if you will, judge yourself and repent. Well, if you continue to ignore that, the Scripture talks about how that he would give people over to a reprobate mind. Well, within that particular process, what happens is that the level of deception in a person's life is increased dramatically because, guess what? The Father actually sends it. And he sends it to, to, to put people, to solidify people in their rebellion of him. And that's what's taking place in regard to uh, Donald Trump. Now, as you hear, most of us are not political savvy. Or do we, uh, are we, do we have the benefit of the information that's going on behind the scenes to make a quality decision when it comes to politics, especially national politics? Now, here's something that you might want to keep in mind. Whenever two parties are running... <clears throat> for a political office in the United States. Because we have this dynamic called the media, they exploit that. So the key is to know that whoever the government, the people, the power of the state is enforcing, what happens is that really they do things like as far as the other candidate, they will release negative information upon that candidate to the public. They will take another candidate and they will present that candidate in the public in a positive light. So the people are under the assumption that they are making a quality-informed decision when in actuality they are making a decision based off of misinformation and a withholding of information. 
Now, just to give you an example of how that played itself out in this particular election, there was a thing a, a, a thing called the WikiLeaks. There was it was a scandal of sorts because there was this individual who had tapped into some files and discovered some information in regard to our government, and then he released those files. Now, those files were released. They were released at a particular point in time in which they would have the greatest effect. And shortly, like the last two months prior to the election, a lot of information was released in regard to Hillary Clinton. Well, for me, because I have eyes to see, because I watched this thing play itself out before, based upon with the observation of knowledge, I know that that was a trick, an indication that the one they wanted elected was Donald Trump. Now, if you question what I'm saying, all you have to do is if you can roll back in the hands of time in your mind and remember what the media situation was at the time prior to the election, you'll know that everything that Donald Trump wanted to say, he was able to say. And not only that, there was a lot of negative information put out about Hillary. One thing in particular where it affected Christians is that there's a lady, she is a witch. And she has this thing called spirit cooking. And what it is, it is a satanic ritual in which many of these celebrities and superstars are, have, are participating in. Well, um, Pandessa, which was an aide to Hillary Clinton, was invited to one of these particular events and participated. Now, there was no connection to attach that to Hillary Clinton, but because of the fact that this man was an aide to Hillary Clinton, the media presented it in a way that this was all within the vein of Hillary's world, that, that by association, Hillary was, was, in, was, was indoctrinated, well, not indoctrinated, was indicted and convicted that said, okay, she's a Satanist worship. Well, if you're looking at a religious block who is very sensitive to such things and also is looking for a reason. Because when we say religious, remember, white supremacy is in and of itself not just an ideology, it's a religion because the greatest manifestations of itself expresses itself through Christianity. And it has done so for the last 1,700 years. And it begins with the symbolism of it, even all the way down to the doctrine that's put forth and the perspective that is presented for it. So, that's what happened. A lot of Christians got wind of that information. A lot of Christian pastors, who many of them are in the hand pockets of the Republican Party, begin to project that to their constituents, which they voted exactly as expected and predicted. They voted for Donald Trump. Now, that, that in and of itself is one thing because that's based upon the ignorance of the people. But when you have leaders take information, manipulate it, and get to the point where they downright lie, you know, saying, and then they also come up with all these false prophecies of saying God said this, that, that, and the other, but they never present you biblical validation to prove those prophecies. They just present it out there as religious rhetoric, religious rhetoric, and the people just eat it up. So that is the issue what we have with the, with the uh, election. So the man that they wanted, the people, what the government wanted, what the powers wanted to be, and what you would call the shadow government, that was the man who was elected. Now. You, in your post in, for the uh, announcement to show, you touched upon that he that that his actions, oppressive they be, would cause black people in particular that hopefully they would cry out to God, and literally that is what we're experiencing, because what has happened is simply put, is that no matter what has happened, black people in particular, and the United States as a whole 
we continue to pathologically progress in a state of rebellion. And we have been on this path for quite some time. And the Most High in his infinite mercy in, 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 in mercy and is in his infinite mercy has been trying to call out unto us, but we keep denying that voice. So he has no other option that for the sake of the righteous is that he would let judgment begin to fall upon the land. And that hopefully in the process of that judgment working its way out through wrath with any many forms that existing, we would cry out. But as I heard one man say, <clears throat> that is a bleakful proposition when we talk about the morality of the United States of America. Because we have gone to that point to where now we have been given up by the very one in whom we serve or who we propose to serve. We've been given up to deception. And deception is the greatest impediment to truth, and that is what we're in the midst of in. So now I'm going to stop, but at some point in time, there's a scripture that I wanted to read. And, but that scripture will only make sense when you understand who we are as a people, because unless you understand who we are as a people, there is no way that you can articulate the particular things that we are experiencing, and they make sense, especially within the context of the Bible. You have to know who we are. You have to know why is it that all of this time we the people who seem to always have the bullseye, the crosshairs on our chest, and exactly. we are the greatest victims yeah. of United States oppression. Exactly. And, and a lot of people, a lot of our kids at some point, at some point our family and friends is going to ask the questions, why that three-letter word that just breaks down everything. And I got a, I got another guest I think is in the house now. I'm going to bring him on in a second. But let me just say this. Folks, at the end of the day, we have something called a mind and a spirit, and things have to make sense. There's a lot going on with African Americans. And I don't care how old you are, sooner or later, you're going to ask why, and if the Father do not answer you, you is going to need some counseling. Because if you operate in America and you don't know who we are as a people, and you can keep saying, some people don't buy into the whole Israel thing. Let's just talk to them for a second. First of all, if you really want to know about this, go Google these two words. Five smooth stones, these two phrases, five smooth stones and blog talk radio. Go to the bottom. I've done over 25 shows. It's not going to cost you. This is free now. Everybody want money for stuff. This is free. And we go into scripture after scripture after scripture showing African Americans that it's impossible for the people over in Israel to be the people of that Bible. So if we are people of the Bible, that's what this brother is talking about, things are going to make sense. If you're getting a whipping by the Father and you don't know why, you can't help but to hold bitterness against him. You can't help but to not serve him with everything you got. You can't help but to, here we go, hate him. You, We as African Americans just don't talk like that. We don't say it. But in our actions, a lot of us, is that's exactly what we're doing. I had a man to tell me, a minister to tell me this one day, and I argued that man too, you know, for a while. Him and another sister actually said this, Brother Elishua, and then we're going to go to the phone lines. He said, 
African Americans hold bitterness against God. I say, man, I don't know where you get that from. We're the most spiritual people. We're the most forgiving people. We're the most this one. He said, think about it, Brother Seth. Slavery. Hundreds of years. All this stuff we're going through. Look at our people. How can they not? Look at the behavior. Yeah, they go to church. We go, Just because you go to church where this father is, don't mean you're giving your heart to him. It could mean pretty much that you do all bitterness against him. It's something about the creator in us that's just not settling. And some people say, I don't know about that. We oh, we more spiritual. We're more religious than whites. Church more than whites. We talk about God more than whites. But do we really love him? And how can you love someone that if you be honest and look in the mirror, you really do think he is chastising us? What do we ever do? We're not doing no worse than whites. I know we're doing some silly things, but we are no different than the Indians. No different than Africans. No different than... Why is African Americans at the bottom and any people can come into this country and thrive and just shoot straight to the top? Let's go to the phone lines and bring another guest. Uh, I think this is our brother, John. Uh, let's see. Eric code 972755. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Brother John. Well, hello, Brother John. How you doing? Go ahead and give us a little quick intro of yourself, John. I mean, again, everybody don't know who you are. This is a very another um, uh, another uh, visitor. Uh, how can I say it? Uh, boy, I can't get my words together tonight. John has been on Five Smooth Stones so many times, and he's funny. And I know most people know you, but we got a lot of new people, new phone numbers. I'm saying I've never seen before, John. So go ahead and introduce yourself, and let everybody know uh, how to get a hold of you, really, if they want to. Uh. Sure. My name is John, and um, I've been on the Five Smooth Stone show before, as you've stated. You can find me peppered in and out of various shows at different times. <clears throat> and um, both Brother Seth and Brother Elishu are very good friends of mine, and I wanted to come on because obviously what we're talking about tonight is something that's at the heart of the entire United States, black, white, and any other given color at this point in time. Um, anyone who would want to get in contact with me can obviously contact Five Smooth Stones. Um, but I just wanted to bring to bear um, a couple of scriptures. And again, for those persons who have yet to come to the understanding that the African-Americans who have been on the business end of the transatlantic slave Okay, I think we just lost John. Uh, I'm looking at my little board, and it says that he's dropped. LSU, you there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm okay, here. Okay, yeah, we just dropped him. He just, uh, okay, perhaps he'll probably call back. Computer, it's probably on the computer, and it went out, went down. Yes, yes, so he'll call back. But while John is calling back, uh, I just want to just uh, – uh, just say one little thing I thought of, and I'll, I'll when he comes back, we just bring him right back home and let him finish his intro. But listen, folks, tonight is not going to be a typical show where everybody call in just bitching about what the white man is doing. Okay, we just ain't, we cannot afford shows like that. All right, it's not going to happen tonight. Tonight we're going to get into some ask some questions that you. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you're going to hear some things about race you have never heard in your life. 
Why do I say that? Because we here at Thighs and Wisdom have been dealing with racism, white supremacy, black self-hate, Israelite question, all of these things for a long, long, long time. And you know whenever you walk with the Father, he's always giving you something new. Now, many of you will know some of these things, but I guarantee even to those people, we're going to say some things or say in some ways you probably have never heard. So I look for the Father to show up tonight and really show out just just to reveal to us solutions, again, hope, again, uh, understanding, deeper understanding. I'm going to present to you tonight, I have something on my, uh, brother, I'm sure I'm going to, uh, you'll appreciate this. I'm going to present something tonight. I guarantee you that a lot of you haven't heard with regards to uh, why they hate us, why those that hate us hate us. And I guarantee you, if I do a good job, I want to do such a good job to you almost kids uh, you almost sympathize with them. I mean, I, I want people to understand these are intelligent beings. Ella sure, these people are not stupid. They're intelligent. Okay, John is back. Okay, Eric code nine seven two seven five five John, your line is open. And I just was I'll wrap up this real quick. But I just want to present uh uh after later on in the show how that these people that are hating us, they're very smart people. And they are just deceived, deceived. They got some truth, but they got some lies. Some of them have very little truth with regards to race, but they're smart in other areas. But these are not dumb people. Racists are not dumb people. If you ever notice, a lot of people that are white supremacists, they're not poor. They're not a what the word I'm looking for. They're they they a lot of them have very good jobs, very good careers. So what's their reasoning? Don't mean because they're financially set that they can't be ignorant. They are ignorant of something. But what I'm trying to tell you is they're not stupid people. They're just sitting around not doing anything with their lives. They have a beef with us. It is our skin. Melanin is destroying white. People. Non-white people is destroying white people. But here is the lie. Jonathan, you can finish your comment, please. I kind of got into this, but I got to say this. Folks, God never designed. Here we go. This is the first blow. Here's the first. I can feel when I say this, it's going to upset a lot of people. But God, the most high, Yah, Yahweh, never ordained us to be trying to protect our skin as a race. Never ordained us to be really calling ourselves blacks and whites. Because if you are white, it just makes sense that you defend your turf. If you're black, it, def- it just makes sense that you defend black. But what if God never called you to be black? I never call you to be white. It's nowhere in the Bible. These are social constructs made up around 1861, I believe. Y'all can correct me on the date. I think I got that year right. Right after Bacon's Rebellion. I'm not going to go into it now. But it was invented, invented all day long, this thing we call white and black. Now we're at a point in this deception by this invention, where whites now think that they have to protect them being annihilated, when in reality, not being annihilated, they still exist as people, they just 
their skin is what won't continue to look like it look. And it shouldn't be any of our business as long as we love each other and just respect each other. It doesn't matter what happens after that. But no, these people, if you listen to them, John and Ella Shua, they kind of have a point. If God made white people white, and if God meant for there to be all these blonde hair and blue-eyed people on the planet, why would you believe in diversity, black people, non-white people? Why would you want to mix knowing that they would destroy what God made? If God made white people white, he really wanted these, all these colors, why would you want to marry them? In a, in a, in a, why, why would you destroy it? We're not going to get into it now because I want John to finish, but chew on that while John is finishing his intro. Go ahead, John. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure where I got cut off, but simply put, the fact that the African-American persons, again, on the business end of the transatlantic slave trade, um, are truly the Israelites. If you don't believe that, that's fine. It's not going to impact your salvation. It's just going to disallow you to understand a lot of the prophecies. If you can put them in place, a lot of those prophecies will really begin to blossom for you. But in reference to the question at hand that pertains to Donald Trump, first and foremost, we're to pray for our leaders. And Donald Trump gets my prayers. Uh, it's, it's a commandment, and I pray for him in spite of um, the issues that I may have with him and his position, um, he gets those prayers because he's not beyond the hand of salvation. He is not. Uh, however, uh, at this juncture, I look at him from a standpoint of all of the persons who have been in positions of power, going through history, who've dealt with Israel, starting with Egypt, going to Assyria, going to Babylon, going to the Greeks, going to Rome, and then going to our current status, you will always find that there's oftentimes, especially in a monarchy or Pharaoh type of scenario, where you have one person whom is uh, basically, they have their, uh, their eyes set on Israel to spoil them. And normally this is by the hand of God. It says specifically that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he rose him up specifically for the job of not letting his Israel, the, uh, God's people go. Um, we all know the story. You can actually see that in movies back in the 70s, even though it's not depicted correctly, the iconography might be off, but you can see that and you can understand that. We know what happened to Egypt. As I told Brother Seth earlier today, one of Pharaoh's advisors came to him and said, look, let these people go. Don't you know that Egypt is destroyed? That was Egypt. <laughs> then there was Assyria, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. It, it, it's, it, goes, it goes on. The first and second Maccabees, it talks about the Greeks and how they were oppressing uh, Israel. The time of Jesus, wow. that was the Rome. Wow. So I pulled up a scripture, and I would, it was, it's really fitting of the time. I'm just going to read it, and I'll be done. And this, this is primarily for mainstream Take Christianity. Take your time, brother. Take your time. I appreciate that. This is for mainstream Christianity. Okay? This is Isaiah 10. 
this is the reason why a lot of people of color are at their wit's end because it states, Isaiah 10 and 1, woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. Well, basically, you make a law that's unrighteous and right grievousness, which they have prescribed, to turn aside the needy from judgment. So people who are needy, they're not getting judgment and take away the right from the poor of my people that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. Folks, that's now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on a second, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Brother John. I gotta say this. When he say right. widows, y'all don't take that lightly. Hold on, hold on. Somebody got some right. speaker going on. It's an echo. That may be me. Hold on. If somebody got. Yeah, let's. Anyway, but 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 Brother John, when he said widows, folks, he talking about home, uh, uh, houses led by women. Don't let that little, um, that the scriptures, don't let that throw y'all off. I want you to read that again, Brother John. But when he says the word widow, he's talking about single parent homes, women homes without a man. These are what, when you hear the word, the Bible, there's many laws for the widow. People don't know that the Israelites was led primarily by women Houses led by women, houses led by women, single parents. When they went into captivity, that nation was a nation led by women. Please read it again. All right. Isaiah 10 and 2. To turn aside the needy from judgment and to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. So I'm going to skip down, but initially, when you consider what we cry out about, the fact that one type of cocaine that's predominantly utilized by black people gets you X amount of years, and then powder cocaine, which is used by Caucasians, let's say, gets you X minus five. It's like it's not equitable. It's not fair why a policeman can pull me over. And, folks, this still, this still happens, folks. Just yesterday, just yesterday, I'm driving down in Euless, Texas, Highway 10. I, I pull up behind the police. We're both making a left-hand turn. We pull off. He's in the middle lane. I'm in the left lane. He begins to slow down because he wants to see my license plate. A lot of you here in Texas will say, well, for what? I'm from Kentucky. My tag is on the back. Your inspection is on the front. He wants to see who, what, he wants to see my tag. Why? I didn't do anything. I'm 49 years old, folks, and I'm still being racially profiled. Tulsa, Oklahoma, I drove around for months with a light out in South Tulsa, which is predominantly white. As soon as I drive into North Tulsa, I'm pulled over. Immediately, we are more heavily policed in our communities. Well, it goes without saying, if you stay looking for something in one given area, you're going to find that. But if you were to take the same degree of scrutiny to another community, you would find it there too. Folks, that's unrighteous decrees, grievousness. That's turning aside of judgment. You get arrested, you have to pay to get out of jail and await your court hearing 
or you have to stay in jail. That is, that is not equitable because that allows people who are rich to be able to have freedoms that are not afforded to the poor. So that's what we're talking about. I'm going to quickly skip down here, and I'm going to talk about more specifically how God uses persons, possibly Donald Trump. This is, again, Isaiah 10. I'm just skipping down to verse 5. This is in reference to Assyria. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. He's saying Assyria is the rod of his anger. Against whom? Against Israel. They weren't doing the right thing. Assyria's weapon, their staff, that was God's indignation. He's utilizing that country and bringing them against Israel because Israel is likely in apostasy or they've turned their backs on the Most High God. It states in verse 6, I will send him against a hypocritical nation, Israel. That's who that is. I will send Assyria against a hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the street. So, as Brother Seth has stated on many a show, Brother Elishua supports many others stand in position saying, yes, this is Israel. It fits us It fits us very, very well. However, here's the problem, folks. I'm going to skip down to verse 15. Oh, better yet, I'm going to skip okay. down. Yeah, I'm going to skip down to verse 15. What has happened is that these countries, they think it's all them. They think that they're really that mighty, that they're really that capable, that these were all their ideas. And it states, shall the axe boast itself against him that sheweth therewith? Or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? As if the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up? Folks, all it's saying is that if you use an axe to cut down a tree, who put forth the effort? You or the axe? Well, the axe is saying, I did this. That's, what, that's what's going on. And that's why when the judgment comes, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very, very severe. I'm going to leave my comments there. Brother Seth, I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Brother Elishua has been real. Folks, I hope you continue to listen and go back and catch some of those other shows because it really sets a firm foundation for this show. Thank you. Amen, and I appreciate Brother John stopping by, and, and just he had a lot to do tonight, but he sacrificed and stopped by. I appreciate that, Brother John. Appreciate that. I just wanted to chime, get him to chime in on that. But Brother Elishua, uh again, thank you, to, thank you as well for coming on tonight. And any other guests we have on, possibly we don't know yet. I always invite different people. But listen, folks, uh, we got people on the phone lines in the chat room. I just, again, want to thank you all for tuning in. Again, what are we talking about? Callan Kaepernick, obviously, his, uh, uh, his protesting by – first he was sitting down, and they, they harassed him, so then he kind of went to a knee, and just they was never happy with it. And uh, they, meaning the establishment, uh, uh, so-called <laughs> Patriot America, and this is also blacks. You think that's funny, huh, brother? <laughs> yes, it is because here's the thing. Um, protests 
is usually an objection to an injustice or an evil done. And so the people who are the perpetrators of the evil or the injustice that's being done are never happy with those who oppose them. So the thing that all of a sudden people are always are all of a sudden in an uproar over what's taking place is just so clear that we are in a struggle between good and evil, <laughs> righteousness and unrighteous. And so it is expected, it is predictable for the unrighteous to oppose any attempt for the righteous to withstand the evil that's being perpetrated against them. So it, for me, it's like I see this playing itself out in this culture, but for me, it is, it is to me, I think it's almost obnoxious that spiritual people, that people who are supposed to be in tune to the Holy Spirit and who have the words of life embedded in their heart, that they cannot recognize the prophetic implications of what's taking place, and that instead yet they become victims, and like the uninformed, they become a part of all of these grievances that are put forth to the protesters that, oh, you know, why should you do it this? Why, why are you doing it during the middle of a football game? Because anybody who's protesting want to bring the greatest amount of disclosure to the oppression that they're experiencing. So if I do it in a, on a, on, in a football game where millions of people are watching, I'm going to get their attention. So, of course, that's why I'm going to do it. Of course, that's why I'm going to choose that venue. The fact of the matter is, is that reality is that there are a lot of black people who are very comfortable in this nation. A lot of black people who are in the middle age and upper middle age whom their forefathers fought for the, for the particular rights and the particular freedoms that we now experience. But now all we want to do is just lay back and rely upon the benefit of their work and not put in the work that's due for our generation. And then we wonder why come we're in this condition. The fight is never going to lack up. So that's why we have to be vigilant. We can never pull back. We are amongst our enemies. We are in the land of captivity. And then we have people who think it's strange that our captors are upset that we are speaking out our grievances from their oppression. It's idiotic. Yes, yes. And that's why I come I have to and that's why I come I have to laugh to keep from screaming. And that's all of us, brother. That's all of us. That is all of us. Well, listen. Again, tonight what I'd like to do, Brother Osho, and you, I'm sure you're going to help me do this, and with the help of the Father, we're going to get this done. We want to present both sides as intelligent, um, um, passionate. Uh, we want to present both sides as sane. This business of looking at blacks, and saying them niggas just don't have a chance. They they don't understand. They they are just so, you know, unpatriotic, unappreciative. But yet, you know, all the things that racists say. Them niggas. I speak to them tonight that they're gonna listen. I got a lot of white listeners, and some of them agree with me. Some of them don't. A lot of people will listen to this show in the future, and I'm speaking to everybody all at one time. I'm one of those people, I can't speak for LSU, you might be ready to disagree with me on this. I understand whites. And I'm going to tell you this, family and friends, the five schools don't listen tonight. I'm going to tell you all something. If you don't understand them, you will never be able to help them. They have a fear. We think, black people think they have problems. Have you ever sit down and thought about your white brothers and sisters, what kind of problems they have? 
They're on the brink of annihilation as a nation. Not just in the United States, but even in Europe. We're talking about a hundred years from now, you come back to the same planet, you will not see whites. You'll always see white people because black-skinned, dark-skinned people can produce albinos and even some whites that, because all white people have, various white people have various degrees of melanin with the exception to albinos. And whites do have melanin. That's why they can produce albinos. Why am I talking about albinos? I'm saying if we all begin to just love as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. say, forgot about color, forgot about racism, and just started mixing, that's what's happening now. White supremacy is taking a beating on the Internet. All types of knowledge is going forward, and people are choosing to love. And white is disappearing. People don't want to face that. As we love, white is disappearing. And that's why the white supremacists preach separate. They want us to love on your side of town, and we love on our side of town. Because when we love together, they disappear. Mixed children, when they marry again, if it's to a melanated person, they get darker. If those, if that offspring mix again with melanated people, they disappear. I mean, why disappear even more? So I got a question for all of the believers, Christians, none, and well, actually everybody. Got a question for you, Brother LSU. You alone. I'm going to put you in the boat with everybody. I know you already, I bet we already talked about this, but folks, listen. Here's the big elephant in the room. If love, being colorblind, treating people based upon character and not color, dropping this whole concept of black and white, just erasing it from our minds, doesn't that sound beautiful? I know it does. If we do that, white people will be annihilated. So here's the question. If love and being colorblind annihilate you, what preserve you? What? What preserves you? This is what Dr. Francis Chris Wilson and many other scientists, psychologists slash scientists come in at. They have been saying in order for there to be millions and millions and millions of whites, you have to have racism. You have to practice bigotry. And you better have separatism because melanin is a threat to white genetic survival. So if God made white people white, and diversity and love erases them. Y'all understand where we're going with this? This is what these very intelligent white people are thinking. I respect the heck out of them for that. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with them. 
It's not my belief system because I don't believe in the concept of white and black, period. I say it so y'all will understand who I'm talking about. If I use the terms I want to use, you won't know who I'm talking about. For. So for this show and other shows, you'll hear me say white and black. Brother LSU, give me a little feedback on that, please. Okay, I'll take my phone off of mute there. Uh, well, <clears throat> what you're speaking of lies at the heart of the matter. And I pray that people can understand the implication that it has. Because what Brother Seth is saying is that if I'm a people who lack the ability to multiply um, genetically at the rate of other races, and that that in the only way that I can maintain my survival, my existence, then there must be actions that are put forth. In other words, if we all love each other based upon the genetic makeup of who we are as a people, then the white race would eventually be annihilated because they would no longer exist because their biological makeup as it is, it is what you would call recessive, degenerate. So that means that in order for them to maintain numbers, uh, they would have to mix amongst themselves in ways that would intensify their population, and they're not doing that. And even to the degree that they're not doing that, it's being grievously, not grievously, but it's being majorly imbalanced at the fact that other races are growing in numbers. And so, therefore, if you are a race whose biological makeup is recessive, that means that when you mix with other races, you begin to lose the traits of your ethnic identity, and then your ethnic identity begins to be absorbed by the dominant ethnic or gene pool, which is those people of color. So therefore, to exist and to maintain your existence, you must take measures in order to prevent that from happening. Because remember that the greatest impediment to greatest impediment to keeping to to maintaining them is what is the mixing of the races. Because again, as I just explained and as Seth just explained, if the races mix, then they'll begin to diminish. So therefore. This whole utopian equality, utopian world of everybody loving each other is detrimental to their existence, meaning that if we love each other and get along, that means that the, the, the genetic outcome of that would be that they would be annihilated. So therefore, it is not within their best interest to preserve their existence on this planet to engage in a free-for-all love fest. So therefore, they must put measures in that become an assembling block, an impediment to that, and that's that thus forth the existence of white supremacy. That's why can white supremacy exists because white supremacy maintains their existence within this earth. If they do not impose and impede and put forth that that thought, that ideology, that system of white supremacy, then they will be demolished. So you have to understand that it is not within the intellectual makeup and to maintain their existence to walk in love. Ooh, I know that didn't come right. across now, now, well. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. Let, let me jump in real quick, Brother Elishua. Now, folks, let's just get something straight. We love all people. I do. Brother Elishua, I know he does. We, we say it all the time. I love, love. We ain't playing. I'm not playing with y'all tonight. I love white people. 
I don't call I don't assume as white people though, but uh the people that we call white I love to have no hatred in my heart towards them. And when Brother LSU and I is talking about these people that's doing all this, in most cases it is people that have power and influence and and and, and they know they know some things. Now the everyday white person that live next door to us they're most likely is going to have truth because they're mixing more with us. But some of them are the ones with the big old flags on their truck, which ain't nothing wrong with waving a flag. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's how you do it, though. You know, uh, a lot of these people, again, we're dealing with ignorance Intelligent people may hold, they may hold down great jobs, they may be in shape health-wise, they may be in good shape, uh, but when it comes down to race, I'm telling y'all, all of us buy into this lie. We, I don't, I, I, Brother Ellison, allow me to do this, because I want you to help me with this. We think racism is white people. That's not what five smooth stones have been doing for the last 20 years. I have been presenting, and my guests like Brother Ellis should many of you just come on and, and been a part of this little Five Smooth Stone Network. We have been presenting that blacks, so-called black people, are just as much racist as whites. What does this have to do with Colin Kaepernick? I told you to listen to Colin Kaepernick. Why don't you talk more about Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick is responding to people with this mindset. Colin Kaepernick took a knee because he's tired of people taking the lives of black people. They are taking the lives of black people because black people don't have the same value. They're taking the lives of black people because we are annihilating them, some of them. And if they don't even know about the whole annihilation thing and they just don't like black people, what a lot of us whites and blacks don't understand is the reason we don't like, blacks don't like themselves and whites don't like us is because a bigger hand, a, I hear a little noise in the background, but I'm sure there, I don't know what's going on, but what the reason behind a lot of the mistreatment of blacks by ourselves, Chicago, 684 killings, shootings, self-hate everywhere among our people. The reason why whites are killing us, harassing us on jobs, oppressing us in all areas of life is because those in power do know what we're talking about. They do pay attention to the fact that whites are being annihilated. And they are pitting us, as Farrakhan said so brilliantly, painting us as a boogeyman. And what do we do to a boogeyman. In our society, African American, the race is an evil race to whites. They're taught that. And guess who else is taught that? Blacks, too. So we're taught by the same education system that ignores Africa, that ignores anything brown, that ignores anything great that's brown or black. We're taught by that from kindergarten, preschool, to to to. Just all through our college, we're taught this disrespect of black or dark-skinned people, melanated people, people made from the dirt, 
that the Father chose, Adam and Eve. We're taught only about whites, white supremacy. They don't use that term, but they're taught, they constantly tell us what's great about whites, what's bad about blacks, what's great about whites, what's bad about blacks, what, how innovative and creative whites are, how blacks are criminal element, they have it hard, they struggle, they did slave ships. So when we all grow up, you don't need white people around us to kill us, to harass us to beat us, us, our mothers and fathers doing crazy stuff to us, uncles and aunts disrespecting us, because it's planted in us to self-destruct, and in our white brothers and sisters across the way, it's planted in them the same thing. Love white, hate black. So is it any wonder we're at the bottom of every single It's called trickle-down ideology. These powerful people did that for white genetic survival. So you, Mr. White Man, that's making fifteen, sixteen, twenty dollars an hour, thirty dollars an hour, I'm telling you, you've been programmed as well. You might say, "Well, I don't care about the white genetic survival." Well, why do you have issues with black people? Because what all of these things you've been taught through media, all this, all of us being played, we've been programmed. To hate. Go ahead, brother. So you were saying something there. Yeah, there's a concept in the world of economics called trickle down economics. And it's based upon that if the wealthy become wealthy, then that wealth would trickle down to the masses. Um, economically, that doesn't work. But ideology, it is very effective. So that means that the people who hold these particular thoughts, who hold these particular ideals, then what they do is it's a thing called the propaganda effect to where it begins with education. Like you said, uh, if you go to the average, go to a public school system with any city in the United States of America, the particular form of history that you're going to be taught is that for the most part, when it comes to the African-Americans, it has to do only with slavery. Um, it doesn't even tell you about the fact that we were even here before white folks even arrived upon this particular land <laughs> that we so loathe, the, the, the home of the free, the land of the brave. So, again, that, that begins to work its way down through the thought process of everybody in the culture. It's manifested through the media. Um, you talked about Chicago. <clears throat> Here's the thing. What's taking place in Chicago, Chicago is to the benefit of white genetic survival. That means that the more uh, blacks are, who, who, are, who are killed, the more blacks who are, who are diminished, then that means that that great impediment to their reality begins to be removed. Because here's the, here's the issue, and we always know this. If we can go stop intervening in other countries and stop wars, and, and some of the most powerful and all the most powerful countries of the world are afraid to engage in any military conflict with us because they know that we are a supreme military power. If we can do that, then that means we have the resources and we have whatever is required material in terms of military and, and assets to take place and to overcome any attack or aggression against us. So my question lies is this. Why is it that we cannot stop the killing in Chicago? Because it's not a will up, up on the part of the people who have the power to stop the killing in Chicago. The will to stop the killing is not there. They actually wish 
the uh, the opposite. They want that killing to continue. And so people say, well, they're killing each other. It's black on black crime. Well, we first of all, for your statistical awareness, that 85% of crime that's committed among white people is committed by white people. So when they use that black people kill black people narrative, that is an, an, an imbalanced comparative. And so therefore they use that again as part of the propaganda for people to think certain ways about the black community, but not think in those same terms and from that same perspective about the white community. So again, well, if you take people, go ahead. I, 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 I got to say this because I know people listening and they say, brother, come on now. It ain't like... This brother is saying powers that be high, high powers. I'm not saying that the mayor don't want to fix it. I'm not saying going to say that. He may say that. I'm not going to say that. I do think the city councilmen and mayors and all types of political officials that want, and it's working. Yes, they're creating different things to try to stop it. But what I'm saying is this. He is right. The powers that be, those are... We talk some very powerful people that, yes, it's been documented that they, they don't care. That's true. But I'm not going to say that they, when I, we say they, you got to know there's, there's different levels of they. they is, there's council people that run for council. I think they want to stop the police shootings, I mean the, uh, the shootings in Chicago. Uh, I don't know about Ron Emanuel. Uh, I, mean, I think his name is uh, Ken. Uh, Emmanuel, I can't think of his name, the mayor uh, in Chicago, but I, I think he wants it. But what I'm trying to say is this, folks. If you got black people, so-called black people with this self-hate I just described earlier, they can't stop it. You can't stop somebody from getting arguing. It's thousands of people, millions uh, in Chicago. You can't stop two black folks from not valuing each other and taking each other's lives. They'll never stop. So you know, Molly, if, if you put all the greatest people that love black people as governor, and if you put the monies in the neighborhoods, uh, Ella Shore, if they don't have value, because we can go to other cities, may not be 684 shootings, but there's other things we do to each other, robbing, robbing old people, knocking old ladies out, breaking the churches, robbing pastors. There's all types of things we are doing just, just on each other that is horrible, that birth out of self-hate. So I'm attacking self-hate tonight. I'm attacking self-hate tonight. You can take all the white people and move them out of this country or move us out of this country, and you'll still have some of these same behaviors because we don't know who we are. We don't value dark skin. We don't value Africans. We make fun of Africans. We make fun of Africa. We don't want to go to Africa. We don't want to vacation Africa. We don't want to do no business with Africans. There's a disrespect we have for dark skin that we feel the same as whites because, like I said before, Brother LSU, and I love to know your comment on this, we are white people trying to be black. Where do we learn to be black? Where do we learn to value black? Where do we learn to value Africa? Where do we learn to value the, the even to see the Bible in its glory and all of the, the brown people of that book? Where do we learn that? So is there any wonder why we're saying crazy stuff like, I ain't from Africa? I'm saying when you have that kind of self-hate, 
family and friends, how can you not but kill each other? Disrespect your women. Disrespect your children. Disrespect your pastor. Disrespect your elders. How can you? That's why with tonight, this show, y'all have heard about that show? He ain't even gotten started yet. We're going to be hitting this thing from all sides. I'm telling you, Colin Kaepernick is protesting the killings of police officers. And I respect what he is doing. I can get on one knee and protest Chicago black-on-black crime. I can get on one knee and protest blacks not graduating and getting inferior teachers and inferior material. And and we can get on one knee for every tiny aspect of life where we are suffering racism at the hand of whites and blacks. It's because of education, not knowing God's will for us, our lives as a people, not knowing who we are, LSU, as you know, as a people, it's not going to stop, folks, until we become knowledgeable of whose we are and who we are. I'm not just talking about getting saved. Well, you know, all they need is Jesus. No. If Jesus is a white man, long hair, blonde hair, blue eyes, and the whole Bible is white, and you still buy the concept of white and black, and you don't understand why those slave ships came, and you don't understand why you're in America, and you don't understand why your foreparents was oppressed, and you just got Jesus. Don't y'all know what the pastor said in Dallas just recently? They need to be glad that they're not shot in the head for kneeling. He loves Jesus. Did you know that the Klan is 100% Christian? They love Jesus. So when you say you love Jesus, you may do, Mr. White Man, Mr. Black Man. Because to me, we're all in court tonight for murder. We all have done things, most of us, to hurt our people from this self-hate. So what Brother Elishu is saying, Brother John has said, Brother Seth is saying, and some of you are saying as well, we're trying to get our people to understand who you are and who you are. Mr. White Man, Mr. White Lady, we're trying to get you to understand, do you know what you're looking at when you see those Negroes? See, if we can get everybody to understand who these Negroes is, including the black folk, that's when the killings will stop. Now, there's going to always be killings. Israel kills each other, for real, okay? It's going to always be murder. But what I'm saying, this, all these police killings and all of this, again, the police, is, as much as it hurts, Brother Elishua, they're not the biggest killers of our people. The biggest murderers of our people is our people. <laughs> but the question is this. Brother Elishua, you got to chime well, in on that. Okay. Right. Okay, but the question is, Everything that you just said, who taught them that? Who taught them how to hate each other so much that they would kill each other without any remorse or regard for life? Who taught them how to? Who taught them that? They didn't just. I mean, it's like people say, you know, people are born racist. They don't born hate. So they say hate is something that is taught. Likewise, the degradation and the defilement and the dishonor of a race many times is taught. 
Who taught us that? We didn't teach each other that. We teach love in our homes. Many black in many black homes, we teach black love. We teach each other one another. So the question is, who in the hell is teaching us to hate each other? Oh, oh, hold on a second. Hold on. I, I love this dialogue, boy. I tell y'all, I told you we gon' we still in second gear. We ain't got third gear yet. I got something coming for y'all. Obama is coming up. Uh, he's gonna weigh in. He talks about uh, this whole thing. You got to hear with him. your president, your ex-president said. Now we are gonna compare presidents' words with presidents' words on the same issue. A lot more is coming up. We are gonna talk about looking at this completely from a race standpoint. And when I do my presentation, I guarantee you that racist is not going to look as crazy as y'all think. These people have a legitimate concern if God made them white. But did God make them and want and, and, and really want us to just be that? I don't want to get into See, I can't even just hit it. I'm telling y'all, we as African Americans do not understand what whites are going through because we got our own struggle. But I think it was for all of our problems, all of our problems, family and friends tonight, and Brother Lushin, I want to get back to that, but for all of our problems, African Americans, put it in one bucket. I promise, I promise you, our problems is nothing compared to what white America is facing. The complete annihilation from this planet. We ain't never, ever faced that. Never. Never. We don't understand it. So, Brother Elisha, what was you just saying? I just got, every time I said it, it does something to me. Go ahead. So, again, again, the question is, who taught us that? Who taught us to hate each other? As I said, we didn't just pick this up by osmosis through the air. We were taught to hate each other. So when you see black people killing each other, when you see black people disrespect for each other, when you see black men disrespecting black women, that didn't happen in a vacuum. That's a strategy behind that. That's planned and calculated. But what has happened is because we've been taught a lot of religion and we're not dealing with reality and seeing the prophetic element and emphasis of, of scripture within our reality, we keep having all a bunch of religious rhetoric and a bunch of fairy tales, and we want to chalk it all up in the, in the term of exhaustion because we know we can't come to a conclusion, and we say, you just got to love Jesus, baby. It's true. And loving Jesus is not as simple as it sounds. Loving Jesus, who, you know, you can say Jesus. I know his proper name was, there was no J. It was Yeshua, Yahweh, or Emmanuel, Christ. But folks, when you come to him, and if you truly love him, you got to be purged from all wickedness. And the Bible says it like this, we have to be, our minds have to be renewed by Scripture. Once you keep reading Scriptures and, and becoming more and more like the Word, the Word, we're supposed to be walking epistles, walking letters, we're supposed to be a Bible walking. Once we become more and more like the Word, the Father's going to deal with racism inside all of us, this self-hate I'm talking about. And you got to do something with Scriptures where it says that the Messiah had hair like lamb's wool. You don't want to go start a church talking about this, all just this. Jesus was black. Jesus was black. But you're going to have to swallow that. Feet like burnt like bronze. Those burning in a fire. 
dark feet, folks, hiding out in Egypt, the Messiah. Him and his mom and daddy went and hid in, in, in Egypt, which every white scholar, since they're the ones that seem to have trouble with it, have admitted Egypt back then wasn't even olive. It was dark black. The Messiah and his mother and father, stepdaddy, went and hid in Egypt. There's so many scriptures that talks about the Messiah being dark locks and, and, and uh, not locks, but I meant to say hair like lamb's wool, which is as rough a hair you're going to get. And then there's many, many scriptures. I'll count over 300 scriptures. Again, y'all have to Google, go to Google and type in Five Smooth Songs, Space Blog Talk Radio, and just look at all the shows. The shows will be named something like Black Biblical Hebrews or Proof of Black Jews or something like that. And just type those two phrases, Blog Talk Radio, Space, Five Smooth Stones. And y'all, we can't get into it tonight. We just can't. But over 300 scriptures, prophecies that only African Americans is fulfilling. If there's other people all over the world fulfilling that, there's nothing more than one of those lost tribes as well. We're all over the planet. Folks, listen. <laughs> it's time we face some difficult questions about race that we never talked about. I have never, ever in my entire life, I'm 56 years old, I have never LSU or heard a church talk about this. White genetic survival. The annihilation of our brothers and sisters under this so-called banner of white, which is a lie. Let me just hit that a little harder because I keep saying it and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. When America was born, I'm going to try to do this in the record timing, Brother Elshu, and I want you to chime in here for real if you feel like, if you feel led of the spirit. We're led tonight, folks. Bacon's Rebellion. Bacon's Rebellion. You got to go in history. Go back to the same Google. It'll it'll connect you. Everything online ain't, ain't, ain't accurate, but it connects you with some uh, sources that is accurate. Bacon Rebellion. Bacon is a man. His last name was Bacon. And the founding fathers early on when America was being established had these indentured servants. They weren't slaves. It's from Europe. And they was white. Some of them was white. Some of them wasn't white, I hear. But most of them was white. And they promised them certain land that if they work it, they would come to the new country, the new world, and work this land. They'd be paid such. They would have ownership. And one of these guys' name was Bacon. Last name was Bacon. I can't remember his name. I'll probably think of here in a second. But he led a rebellion in Jamestown, protesting how they was being treated. Then so-called whites was not known as whites. They was from Scotland, or they was from Britain, or they was from France, or they was from Germany. And those, a German could be white or a German could be black then. It meant what it said, German, Scottish, Scotland, Britain. No whites was on this thing about whites. They, the Germans necessarily didn't like the Spanish, and the Spanish necessarily didn't like the Scottish. They didn't necessarily care for each other. It was race-based 
on region. Now, that's biblical. Of course, there was no Germany in the Bible, but it's still more of scripture than a race based on color. And it was told Bacon's Rebellion was so successful, the powers that be said, we cannot ever have no uprising like this again because we want to control everything, basically. I'm making this long story really short. And they created class systems, caste systems of white and black. They say basically to these rebellious uh, folk that was white, Listen, you can't have what we got. We're not going to give it. We're going to create another class called black. Now, you can have more than what they got. And then that's when they start the slave trade, bringing in all these people under this new class system called black, and all of these whites can rule over the blacks and have land and have this, but you can't have what we got, but you can have what these slaves got. And that's what happened. They created the concept of white and black, and it holds to this very day. Civil rights, similar things happen with the civil rights. And it's still going on. Poor whites being told you, you got it more than, better than the blacks. Constantly using the race card so they won't attack the real powerful people. You got it better than the Negroes, and that's what they, how they sold that. So people here fast forward 2017 were still using the concept of white and black. I promise you, there is no such thing as white and black. It's a social construct. Go do your own homework on that, okay? Again, Bacon's Rebellion. I want to play your president, ex-president, the one and only Barack Obama. I want you to hear what he has to say about Colin Kaepernick's rebellion, uh, rebelling against the powers that be, rebelling against people mistreated. I want you to hear... Uh, if I can get this thing to play, it's acting like it's not going to play. Uh, y'all bear with me. You know, let me just try to try it again here. I'll tell you, every time I go to talk about this conversation, something like this always, always happens. So, folks, again, I want to just... Uh, We'll take a little short break. But uh, before I do, I just want to again just thank everybody for just tuning in tonight. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, it's so much coming at us as a people. And at some point, we got to get on our knees and cry out to the Father and just ask him, what's going on? Where are you at? Is what Brother Seth and others are saying about us being Israel, is this correct? Folks, the Father loves us. We serve a loving, loving God. We serve a loving God. And we had better be full of love. Uh, Brother Ella Shua, uh see you're back. Yeah, see you dropped there, but you're back, Brother Shua. But listen, family and friends, we serve a loving God, a loving Elohim. He loves us. And his love is all around us. We're not hopeless as a people. We're not just at the whim of what white people want to do to us. We just, you know, it's not like that. The Bible has something called precious promises. If we, Brother I'll show you back, your line is open. Uh, as we obey the scriptures, line our lives up with the scriptures, the Father has promised us peace, peace, Joy, scripture calls unspeakable joy, the peace that passes all understanding. 
There's people spending millions of dollars to find this peace, this joy. Brother LSU, your line is up and I hear a little noise. It'll be loud when we play it back, so just be careful with that. But listen, family and friends, we're not trying to present hopelessness tonight. The Father is, I believe, trying to speak through us to let everyone know there is a reason for what we're going through. There is a reason we're at the bottom. The scripture says, again, this is another presentation we've done. You'll have to just Google this again to understand more about these scriptures of how we are Israel. But one of those scriptures says that Israel would not be able to rise as a people because they belong to the Father. It didn't say anything about other nations just about Israel, that it would not be able to rise as a people, not individually. If you in your house, please, if you don't hear anything I've said tonight, hear this, hear this, family and friends, the five smooth stones, hear this tonight, the 22nd of September, hear this, hear this. If you individually, you in your household, obey the scriptures, the Father promises to bless you and fulfill whatever promise. The Bible says, calls them precious promises. The Father promises joy, peace, and even prosperity if we do the things that the scriptures declare for us to do. So individually, you are not cursed. Individually, your household is not cursed if you are calling on the Father. Now, you may mourn for relatives that are not obedient, that are not serving him. You may mourn, mourn, mourn for coworkers. You may be in much distress looking at people you love, but you and your house the Bible declares over and over again, there's thousands of scriptures talking about how the Father would take care of you. So I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Of course you're blessed and highly favored. Of course there's angels. Uh, you have angels to protect you. Of course he loves you and nothing can separate you from his love. Of course when you die and leave here, there's a place that we don't we continue to live. Our foreparents that have left here, those that was in Christ, of course you'll see them again. We have the victory on this side and on the other side. Of course, of course, I cannot touch that. That's individually. So tonight we're talking about a nation, though. Colin Kaepernick is kneeling for a nation. It's, it's black young males in this nation is being harmed, and that is why he's taking a knee. So tonight we're looking at under the microscope why this nation is suffering. We're looking at our so-called white brothers and sisters and seeing why are they harassing, oppressing us, killing us, and trying to get some spiritual understanding and clarity, the Father is doing in all of this. Again, I believe Trump, as the title of this show says, is Trump being used by the Father to oppress blacks, in parenthesis, Israelites, 
back to him. Brother LSU, if you don't mind, I want to take a little. I think I may have this video up here. and um, I don't know what is going on. It is still not up. Well, I tell you what, Brother so LSU, respond to what I just said. I know you got something to say there. And then I'll just work on Obama here later with his comments, with his response to um, Colin. What do you have to say about what I just was sharing there? I know something is brewing in you. What was the last thing that you heard me say before I was cut off? You said everything. Oh, okay, because I didn't know I would look at the phone and I was gone. Well, again. When you pause, when you pause, at least at least because I was messing with the controls here, but just go ahead and make that point again. It's not a problem. We don't mind hearing it twice, okay. but I thought you got well, it on but I, I did. I, I just don't want to repeat what I said, but again, um, you know, that that's what, it, when it comes down to who we are, <clears throat> that is really the central point of everything. That That's what this is all surrounding. And we've covered that a number of times, and I don't, you, it has to come to a point to where, I was just thinking as you were speaking, and I was saying, hope. You know, the Bible talks about we have hope, and we have hope, and our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in God. So we have hope. I mean, that's the thing that, for the most part, that's what we are being preached and taught, and that's being decreed to us week after week, week after week, every, you know, Sunday after Sunday is the hope. Well, within that, we have to understand hope. In a vacuum by itself, existing alone is not a reality. You hope for something that you do not have. So the question becomes, how do we deal with the reality that we do not have, that we do not have justice, that, that, we, that we are not treated fairly, we're not treated equal? Now, we have hope for a better day of what's to come, but the scriptures are written for our learning. It says the things in the Old Testament are types, examples, and, sh- and, sh- and shadows of those things that are to come. So we've been given the scriptures to ha- help navigate our here and now. But we have to be able to see the scriptures within the reality of what we're living. In other words, when the minister preaches, his preaching has to be relative to the things that we are experiencing each and every day. That's how these scriptures evolve. <laughs> and so that so I cannot impress upon people how necessary that is. And as I said, simply put, is that we are in a war and that the weapons of our warfare are not corner, but they are mighty through God. Fact is, is how are we using our weapons? Who do we have our weapons targeted at? And the only way we can use our weapons in an effective manner is we have to intelligently determine who is the enemy and how our enemy works. The Bible says we are to be wise Understanding, knowing, we have to be wise to the vices of Satan. That's what the scripture says. That's what, that's what the apostle Paul said. We are to be wise to the vices of Satan. The prophet said that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But the scripture also said that there will come a day that they won't receive knowledge, but they'll reach to themselves with itching ears, will reach for themselves, teachers teaching the things that they want to say, the things that make them comfortable within their reality as to where they're at. Again, that has to change. Because what's going to happen is you're going to become bitter when all of a sudden reality hits you. 
And again, so again, when we're talking about what's happening, that's not with the issue of Donald Trump. Hey, that's all a part of the plan. As I said, the Donald Trump, the, the, the Colin Kaepernick factor was a factor that was about to wane its way out because uh, literally he did it for a whole season. And remember, Colin Kaepernick has not been on the field. But what made this issue go viral was the impetus of the president because that's the purpose he has been placed in office by the powers that be to create division because everything that he says and does does exactly that. It has that effect, the effect of dividing the country. It's not unifying the country. It's dividing the country. But that's for a purpose. That's the intent because the intent is to cause civil unrest. Now, if you're not informed, well, you see that as being. If you're not informed as to what's taking place, you see that as being informed. So let me just break it down to you, so you can, so you can understand. And that is this. Scripture. I'm gonna speak. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to the. Let me speak to my last thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to the Christian heart. And in terms of what the scripture says, it says that we're to know those who labor among us. The Bible says to be wise to the devices of Satan. Okay. We say that we're to judge people by their fruit. And when we draw in the fruit in which we are speaking of are the fruits that are revealed in Scripture in, Gabal- in Galatians, love, peace, joy, uh, uh, temperance, self-control. That's how we're to judge people. We're not to judge and determine as one who is representing God based upon what the media said, but we're to look at their actions, look at their conduct, look at their attitudes, and we're to judge accordingly. And we're to judge righteously. And I'm going to put this question out there for believers and non-believers, but especially you Christians. If you can divest yourself of all of the information that has come through the media, the propaganda war of making President George Bush, I mean, making President Trump to be one thing, and but just look at Donald Trump and his track record and what has happened over the last ten months. I have to ask you, for all of you prophets who have decreed that he is a man of God, he is a God, man of God's choosing, but he is a man of God's choosing not for the purpose of all of a sudden uplifting the righteous, but he is a choosing for oppression. Just like the brother John said in regard to Pharaoh, it says that Pharaoh continued to, that God continued to harden hearts the heart of Pharaoh. And the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whichever way he chooses it. He can turn it for righteousness when the people are obeying his commandment and keeping his laws, or he can turn it for oppression and for wrath if the people are walking in rebellion. That's what John was displaying and trying to explain through the conflict with the issue of the Syrians oppressing and coming in and taking captives the Israelites. So again, I ask you, judge by the word of God. Judge Donald Trump's action and the character that his actions have displayed, and you tell me, is he a man of God sent for righteousness, or is he a man of, or is he a vessel used by God sent to oppress? Has, has God not hardened his heart? Because he's not getting any lesser. He becomes more intense with his attacks. He becomes more intense with his impetus of division. And strife and contention. That is not the fruit of the spirit. Fifteen seconds. Fifteen seconds. So let me just say this really quick. Fifteen seconds. Uh, keep in mind, whenever God hardened people's heart, family and friends, listen to this brother and John as well. Remember, Pharaoh was a wicked man. Pres- 
pursued evil, pursued evil. The Bible says if you keep pursuing evil, keep pursuing evil, the Father will turn you over to a reprobate mind to where that's all you can do is evil. So when it, when he says God turns the heart of the king this way or that way, don't think he's taking good people's heart and just turning them wicked and he just do whatever he want to do. That's not true. These people, anybody heart, if you show me someone heart in the Bible of a king, the Father turned, they wasn't doing the right thing. Now, a lot of times they pursue evil, pursue evil, pursue evil. And they got so much evil they've done, now it's time for them to reap and the Father turn their heart. He never turns the heart of people pursuing and pursuing. I want to do what's right. I want to love you, Father. And he just turned their heart wicked. He don't do that. I know somebody out there is thinking that, but go ahead, brother. Yes, and, and for that, we would bring in the situation with Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> Uh, the, the the word of the Lord says that Bible refers to Nebuchadnezzar as a servant of God, but Nebuchadnezzar was not a righteous man, and we know that. Nebuchadnezzar was Nebuchadnezzar right. headed up a kingdom that was steeped in idolatry, that was steeped in sorcery and witchcraft. But the Bible says that he was hey. a servant. But how did how did he serve God? Just like he in, served just God. Like he in served God. Oh, oh, yeah, and he said he served God. By oppressing his people. He went and took his people captive and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. That's how he served God because God's people were in rebellion and God had, had decided to reach out to them, to cry out to them to repent, and they would not repent of their wickedness. So therefore, he brought evil upon them and he brought evil upon them at the hand of his servant, Nebuchadnezzar. So there if you want to make a miracle, right. if you want to make a biblical parallel, if you want to make a biblical parallel for Donald Trump, he is a Nebuchadnezzar. So he is the servant of the Most High in that regard, because the people that God is after is his elect. In that regard, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes, he, absolutely. The people that God, the, the the people, the people that God is after, he is after the heart of the elect, because we have to be very real. The Bible says that broad is the way to destruction, and 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 many there enter into, but narrow is the way unto righteousness, and few there enter into. The Bible says that there is a remnant, there is an elect of God, an elect of Israel. So the reality is, is that not all people are going to come into the understanding and repent and, and, and come to the place to where they walk the path of righteousness. That's not going to happen. That utopian myth needs to be destroyed. The reality is, is that God puts situation where you have the choice. But once you continue to deny him, the Bible says he is said to explode it. He will give you over to a reprobate mind. He will give you over to the evil of your ways. And that is what has happened to America. So the reality is we have to know what we're dealing with. And when I say in regards to that, this is my last thing I want to say because this is extremely important. This is why I'm really, uh, even though I was truly exhausted, and when I got the call, I was in a deep sleep. But I wanted to say this very thing here is that there's some young brothers out there, mighty, mighty warriors, great soldiers. I would tell you in the words of Machiavelli, war-wise warfare, because there are elements that are coming together for your destruction. And all of this divisiveness that is created by not some racist element within the society of some small sector group through some small society or through some occult organization or through some racist groups. No, this is coming from the head down. And they are showing us that they reach, that, 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 he, that he and those whom he represents, they wish our demise. So I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to say this to you. Do not fall prey to the tricks of the enemy. Be wise to the vices of Satan. 
I would tell everybody out here, and I know a lot of people d- disagree with me, do not participate in public protests because public protests are going to go the way that they're going to use their situation and they're going to exploit them. What they do is they plant agents among the crowd. Those agents are there for the purpose of creating violence, of creating conflict. And once the conflict has begun, now what has happened in the eyes of the public, they feel that the, that the police have every right to come in with militarism and to put down the oppression. That's exactly what they want. And the blood who they are after, they are after the blood of the people of God, the apple of his eye, those whom the devil thought would be wiped away out of remembrance. He's after you, black man. He's after you, black woman. You are the target. Your blood is who Satan is crying for right now because you are the elect of God. You are the chosen. You are the call. You are the apple of his eye. And it doesn't have, I don't have to do a lot of convincing to you to know that you are the target. You are the target. Well, let me ask you a question. All you got to do is look at the police. What did the police? Well, hold on, real quick, real quick. What did the police officer say to the young to the, when he stopped that white woman and, and that white woman was, was was scared and afraid? What did the police tell her? You don't have to worry. We only shoot black people. Okay. See, now let me say this. Let me say this because I know people are thinking this. I know they're thinking this. Now, this brother is sharing. He's got the mic. And, and again, we don't may not agree on everything. I personally think if you can protest, especially if it's peaceful. Now he's got a point though. What if they have put in plants? What if they are trying to get people inside the riots? What I would do when I do my protest is I will let everybody know the rules and regulations. I will make sure I know those that's leading the protest. It's where you can get this. There's no possible way you can. But I when want him to answer. I want him to answer. I'm about to, hold on, hold on. I'm about to ask you okay. a question right now, and I want you to mm-hmm. tell us how you would do it. But personally, I do think you can protest. This is, you know, you have a right to, and I think you just have to just make sure you, any troublemakers, you need to say anybody that does anything, we're going to disown you. We're, we're going to stop the march. If anybody starts breaking stuff, it's ways you can put rules out there. Every protest, a lot of successful protests, my God, where nobody is getting harmed, nothing is getting broke, nobody acts a fool, thousands of them. So I'm not going to shut down all protests because the enemy is out there. So I want to ask you this question because people just heard you. What should these young people do if you don't want them protests out in the street? Here's the thing. These people are not ready. Now, let's be real about this, because first of all, there is no way you can control the crowd. And what I'm speaking to you is not some fantasical dream or fantasical nightmare that I've created in my mind. I have documented evidence as well as this in the books. Um, back in 1953, United States of America, through agents sent, there was a, 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 a conflict. And what happened is that Britain had controlled the oil resources of Iran. So what happened is that they kicked the, they kicked the Shah of Iran out of Iran because he had given control of their natural resources to the British government while the people there in Iran was living like peasants. So what they had an election, a legal democratic election, and they had they elected a leader, a legally democratically elected leader by the name of Mohammed Mossadegh. He became in power. 
Well, this could not stand and, uh, and begin. What happened is the first thing he did when he became an office is he naturalized. He took back the oil reserves and made them a product of the country. So it would be the gross, it, it would be a part of the gross natural product of the, of the country so that the people of the country could benefit from those oil reserves and not foreign powers. What happened is that the U.S. sent agents, CIA, agents of the CIA, into, the, into Iran. And what they did is they took boatloads of money and they hired people to create civil disturbances. And then they hired people that do, to create riots, would go in, they would create conflict, they would tear stuff up, they would get the people up in a roar and create riots. And so what they said was Muhammad and what they did in the midst of that, they created a coup and they overthrew the government and displaced Mohammed Mossadegh, and then the United States put the, the Shah of Iran back into power. So let's not act like that I'm talking about something that literally, oh, no, you're just thinking that I just, maybe that's a hypothetical. No, that's the reality. When you have tens, when you have like a hundred of thousands of, of protesters, like in the situation in Charlotte, there is no way in the world that what you just said, Seth, can, Seth, can, can happen. Because the fact is that you, have, you are there, and there are people that you don't know. Thousands of them, not a few, but thousands of them that right. you don't know. Let me finish. Now, let me finish. Now, I'm finishing answer your question. So, again, now let's go back and let's see where we got the idea of the issue of protest by marching. We got that from MLK. MLK got this from where? He got, he, he got that from, Seth, you know the man's name, um, in India. Come on, help Gandhi, me out here. Gandhi, Gandhi. He got, right, he got that concept from Gandhi, the concept of Navas. Okay, now this, this is what happened. Remember, every time MLK, the Southern Christian leadership, and SNCC would have marches, they would have months of preparation before those prep, or sometimes, sometimes all the time they had the advantage of time, so they would have at least weeks of preparation where they would prep the people, educate the people, and inform the people of what to do, on how to behave, on how to conduct themselves. They would tell them, if you have to strike back, and if you feel like you cannot take this, please do not participate in the march. So they had the benefit of leaders who informed them and educated them on what to do. Right now, we don't have that. Here's a good example, and then I'll turn the mic back over. Here's a good example. In Dallas, according to what you just said, Seth, if everybody had did that, how could they could have avoided that situation that took place? They couldn't have because guess what? They didn't have any power or control over that because the people who had power and control over that are the people who basically made themselves out to be the victims. Okay. Let me just jump in here. You can finish that. i got to say this. If you use the same premise to to discourage protesting, do you realize you can't do anything? You couldn't do anything. Somebody could say, well, be careful if you call your congressman because they got your phone number and they can bug you. And they, I, I call the congressman and they be bugging my phone and they be listening to my phone calls every time it happened because it really did happen. People called their congressman and their phone number was in trouble. I remember one time you reported on some cop abuse and some people called your house one time. We talked about that yesterday with Mars when they came over and everything. Uh, this brother, he he and I both encountered police brutality, and he went downtown where he written and reported it, and he got a phone call. The brother on my brother Ashua, he you went through that, okay? Every single time you stand up. It's going to be repercussions. Somebody might die. 
But you can't say, well, I ain't going to do this and that. He's trying to set us up. If you, if we went on that alone right there, I promise you, anything you say, that's why I ask you, what should they do? I could shoot it down with the white man that's coming behind him and he's going to do this, 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 this. What, Colin Kaepernick, don't you do that, you're going to lose your job. Well, everybody at Neil don't lose their job. He did lose his job, but according to you, I haven't researched it, but you say he got $60 million still because his contract owed him that. All I'm trying to say is this. This business of I don't want to protest, I don't want to do this because they got us, they said it, they can't stop everybody. They, they is the CIA, FBI, there's not enough of them if everybody protests. But if you got just 100 people protesting, everybody is scared, don't want to do that, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You better not go out there, they're going to get your number. But okay, here's the thing. Show, here's the thing. Without, 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 without an involvement from foreign powers, they can't do exactly what they want to do. And we have that proven in history by a man named Hitler. The only way that Hitler would not have been successful, the only thing that stopped Hitler from being successful, because he was a complete, absolute despotic despot, and he was very successful. And they, and believe me, people think that, that, that what they think the Germans just laid down, that people just, just laid down and submitted to that. No, that was a process by which that took place, which is the same type of process that's going on in the United States. First thing you do is you start criticizing the press because you want to control the media. You want to control the minds of the people. Then you control politics. So there was a process by which that took place. And the reality is that same process is taking place within our society. And the very same things that Donald Trump is guilty of saying are very much in kind like to the things that Adolf Hitler said at the time in which he ruled and reigned. And if it were not been for the foreign powers of the United States and the Allied forces, is that the man would have eventually ended up controlling the whole wide world, the whole Western world. And that is a fact. That's the reality. So the fact of the matter is like, like we said, because we're fighting the beast. That's why we have to understand the scriptures. And you cannot war against the beast and win. <laughs> and that's just the reality. So reality is, is that we have to do what the scripture has dictated because there's going to come a time that the only option that you're going to have to be able to get out from under the oppression that's coming is you leave. He's even put in a prescription, uh, a prescription within the scripture for that malady. But the fact of the matter is that, again, is that as a brother brought to my attention the other day, he said, Brother Ellie, you have to understand that you are speaking things in, in within a context of a culture of people who do not really have real faith. Their faith is not in trusting God because for the most part, many of them's faith has never been tested and tried and proven. But the events, but the faith that are coming upon us are going to try our faith. That's why the Bible speaks about endure. That's why the Bible speaks about being steadfast. It speaks about holding on. And the fact is that, yes, there's a lot of what these young people can do, but you cannot be telling that in a soundbite. That's the problem right now. Preachers want to give religious rhetoric through the form of a soundbite. That's not to inform and educate people on what to do in a situation like this and how they're to negotiate themselves through these waters. No, the first step is you have to come into the kingdom, not religion, not Christianity. You have to come into the kingdom because the fact of the matter is that the Bible says that when it comes to a lot of these young black brothers, and they are going to go out there and protest, and they are going to meet the fate of what I said. But I'm speaking to the elect, those who are to be preserved. I'm speaking to them because the Bible says that all the sinners of my people shall be destroyed by the sword. Well, we don't use swords now. Now they got AK-47s. They got MAC-10s. They got AR-9s. 
They got exalt military rifles. They have drones in the sky that can precisionally hit you from a thousand feet away and affect nothing surround around you. So those are the people that I'm speaking to well, because the war that I'm fighting last thing because the war that I'm talking about it is a spiritual war. It's very much and the reason why I'm talk about the powers that be because the Bible says that we what are the things that we were we talk about principality, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the talk about spiritual well, warfare I'm talking about. Well, I gotta say this because what you're saying, I really don't disagree with. I think you're right, but. Everybody listening to this show tonight, if you say how many of you is spiritual, you going to get probably, I don't know, maybe 40% of them. How many of you is really interested in obeying the Father? You're going to probably do them down to 30. And then how many actually do it? It's going to probably do them down to like 5%. Now, that's what you're addressing right now. In the meantime, we got 40 million people that can do something. It's not going to be first class like you was just talking. You are talking first class. You're talking something that will move God, and that's what we really need. But again, that's 5% of the people listening to me right now. I'm my saying. Objective, my objective is, my objective is not to reach the other hold, hold on, hold on, let me finish. Hold on. I'm saying Colin Kaepernick, I don't think it's spiritual. I don't know that, but I've never heard him really acknowledge his faith in that. But one man or one knee have shook up the world. We can really, really say that now. Anytime you get NFL owners on the field, they don't want to do it. John, John, Jimmy, Jerry Jones did not look like he wanted to kneel. He was not happy about having to do that. It's very uncomfortable for them. And retaliation is coming for whites, males, to have to bow down. It looks like a, a victory for the so-called Negroes. Believe me, retaliation is coming. Look for I don't wish it. I probably but, should not even say it. But I'm telling you, i got to say this. I'll make this real quick, real quick. All I'm saying is this. I hear you. And y'all, this is how we do this. LSU and John, y'all heard from another friend of mine, Brother John, this is how we do it. I'm saying to my brother tonight, and you heard what he said, he was passionate. He's right. I don't disagree with one thing he said. I think a lot of the marches are uh, staged. I think what's the name that took over, I can't think of his name, took over Black Lives Matter. Those two black women started it, but this white rich man can't think of his name. What's his name? George Soros comes in. I think he's kind of changed. All he, I do think there's evil people influencing good marches. I understand the CIA, when Rodney King's situation put those CIA people there to incite a lot of that that beating of that trucker, we found out a lot of things about CIA and other government forces influencing good people that's trying to protest. I understand that. But a lot of us saw the millions of people protesting. We don't want Trump. We don't want Trump, even though he still won. We still got the message. Millions don't like you. Had not those millions walked, had not we saw millions of white people in the street saying, we don't want Trump, we'd have thought all white people for Trump. If we had not saw millions of white people saying, no, I'm for uh, Black Lives Matter, we would have thought 
most whites don't care. But through millions of marching, there was some things done. Okay? Yeah, it may not be what you're talking about. They may not be first class. Maybe the father wasn't even moved by it. But we're not dealing with the father. Listen, it's going to sound a little crazy coming from me. But sometimes you got to win the hearts of your brothers and sisters to even work with them to even do spiritual things. Instead of, I'm just going to do this to the Lord, I'm just doing this to the Lord, I'm just doing this to the Lord. It ain't like we before the Lord all the time. We're doing stuff all, all day long trying to reach our brothers, saying good morning, good afternoon. We need each other to, to love each other. And I don't think marching, we should, that's just me. Again, I still have the question on the table. What should they do? What do you approve of massive use of people to do? I want you to answer that. Then I'm going to try to, well, go ahead and answer it. I'm not going to make no promises. And I'll try to work on something here. Okay, let's be very clear. The present temperament of the situation with kneeling and when they say they're going to do the national anthem, again, Twenty a number of months, people talked about it. People discussed it. Um, a few other players joined in, but let us not be deceived. Let's be real about this. This thing took warp speed, n- nitro power, <laughs> explosive intensity. Only when the president said, "You should fire those son of a bitches." So that did, and that caused these people to rally together. It went viral because now all of a sudden this is a thing that even people don't watch football. Now they all of a sudden they're tuning in because they want to know what's happening. Because what it is is that it was, a, it was an act of intimidation. And, but what happened is that there are some teams in which the players realize their power, like the Dallas Cowboys. Because heretofore, prior to this event, when the, when the president spoke and when all the other the owners weighed in, and the last owner to weigh in was Jerry Jones, well, prior to that, he had already informed his players, you are not to take a knee. If you take a knee, you will be fired. We will not tolerate that. You know, let me finish my thought. No, 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 no. Let me finish my thought. Again, he said he'd already told them we are not to take a knee. But what happened is that the black players, because even up until Sunday, up until Sunday, when the coach talked about it, they still had maintained their same position. But he said that they were going to meet with some of the players because the players wanted to meet with them. What happened is that when all the other teams did it, the players that there on the Dallas Cowboys all of a sudden recognized their power. And they said, no, we're not going to just lay here and acquiesce to this. And Jerry Jones had to acquiesce and comply. And you just said it yourself as an identifying witness that the look on his face was one that was very displeased because he was. Because he had to go against what he had demanded, but he had the power of all the other owners now coming against him, and he would have been the only eyeball that stood out. Let's never forget that there's politics where there's money. And where there's money, there's power. So again... Let's not keep okay. saying that Colin Kaepernick. Let's not keep saying that Colin Kaepernick caused this sensation to erupt like this. It was the it was the United States president is that when he lended his words to it, 
and he said son of a bitches when he wanted to say niggas because let's not forget that 70% of the NFL consists of black people. Black people who many of them come from neighborhoods where they are the victims of police profiling, of racial profiling. They are the victims of police brutality. So let's keep this within the context that it is. Now, 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 the last thing here is this. You said there might be 5 or 10% who... Hold on, hold on, hold on, before you go there, I want to comment. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you keep in the deck. Let me finish it. You see, the reason I'm Hold on, Seth, Seth, the reason I'm covering three things is because you went to three, three things in, in, in the between when you interrupt my comment. So let me just cover the, the last two, and then, hey, I'm through, and whatever else you want to say, I'll follow through. But you keep comments like you, they keep just having a cumulative effect, and I'm having a hard time keeping up. So the other thing is this, and this is extremely important. You said 5 or 10% are the people whom I might be speaking to. Well, Seth Turner, and for everybody in this audience, please know this. That's the only reason I come on the line. I'm very specific because, simply put, is that I'm not sent to the world. None of us are sent to the world. We, we are sent to those whom God sent us to. And at this point in time, we are sent to, I'm sent to God's back. And for the other people who, do, who, who, who are not doing that, understand that when you live a life of sin, let's open up the doors of the church and let's get real. When you live a life of sin, there's a price to pay. When you reject the truth and the truth is in front of you, there is a price to pay. Because like even the apostles said, Paul said, you cannot kick against the pricks. And you are fighting a beast in which in and of your own self and of your own power, you have no authority to stand against. Not only do you not have the power, you don't have the authority. Because the only authority that can come against the beast is Yahweh Shad HaMashiach, you know him, as the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else can stand against him. So I'm sorry, but you have to get in the ark of safety, and the ark of safety is in the kingdom. Because if you're outside the ark in this time, you're going to be on the wrong side of history, baby. I got to tell you the truth from my heart. Because I'm not playing games, and it's too late in the day. Lies are, lies are on the line. There are souls being weighed in the balance. Can't play religion with you. I'm sorry. Can't get down like that. So I'm not speaking to everybody. I'm speaking to the elect and those that have an ear to hear because everybody's not going to listen because the Bible has prophesied that it's so. He says, all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword. So if you're Israel, if you're a black man, I tell you to get into the kingdom. You can play religious and you can worship pagan idols if you want. But when it comes down to it, these people are going to roll out them tanks and they're going to mow you down like they cut grass. You cannot stand against the beast. Now, I'm through, Seth. Well, I just want to say this, and y'all heard the brother, and you can hear me, okay? Take what he say to the Father on in your prayer. Lord, this brother was saying this, is these things so? And this is why I love this brother, because we don't always see eye to eye, but we are in the same spirit in far as delivering our people out of the clutches of Satan. And our people, while I is first and foremost, I, I, I work for the Father. And, and if I work for the Father and I ask the Father who his people is, He's going to say those spiritual Jews, those that are after his heart. So I have to align myself and say the same thing. Top priority is those that seek the Father, and they are not all black. I am for those that seek the Father. I 
also speak and work. Uh, you hear me a lot of say about Israel this, Israel there, us as a people. I'm talking about African Americans. I believe we're, we're one of the lost tribes. I do believe that God has called this brother to do what he's doing. Somebody has to be interested in just Israel or African Americans because they need no, so no, much no, no, help. No, 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 Seth, 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 Seth. Hold on, Seth. I have to intervene here because you misunderstood something. When I said the elect of God, the elect of Israel, when I said the kingdom, I didn't say anything. I made no distinction between Israel or not. Now, I speak to these brothers specifically because that's a term of identity. But I'm talking about the kingdom. And if you are, even if you are a Gentile, if you are a white person, then that means that you can be a part of the engrafted into the kingdom, into, the, into, that, into that vine, that tree that is Israel. That's when you become a part of, that's when you become spiritual Israel. So when you give your most, and when you are born again and you yield your life to the most high, now you are engrafted in. Now you are a part of the commonwealth of Israel. So there is no, there's no discrimination here. No, 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 no. Whosoever will, let him come. Let's keep it real. Let's get it straight. But like I said, I'm sent for to nothing but the lost house of Israel. And I'm speaking to those who are also, and when I say Israel, that means that it's you. Are Gentiles. And you embrace that, and you have come into the covenant as a result of the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh Shah Hamashak, as I said in the Hebrew. Then that means that you are a part of Israel. So don't get it twisted. Let's keep it straight. I'm not speaking no, no ethnic religion here. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm not on that ship. I'm not into religion. I'm not into a tradition of man. I, I majored in this stuff. I know what I'm talking about. I know what Christianity is. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, there is no prejudice. There is no discrimination. Whosoever will come, he's a light unto the Gentiles. All right. Well, I'm glad you made that distinction. I'm glad you, you and, and, and nobody can say it better than you out of your own the source and mouth. So y'all heard it. And that is good. I'm, I'm actually glad you, but, you know, whatever you're called to do, and you feel you're called to do, whatever your conviction is, and you know you seriously God about it, it ain't my business, really, in some regards. In other ways, it is my business because we can work together. But I just want to say this, and I appreciate you correcting me on that. Folks, where this brother is concerned, speaking of myself, we still both trying to help God's kingdom be materialized on this planet. I believe, and I still want you to answer the question, brother, it's still on the table. What should these young people do? I still have that on the table. After I'm done, I'd like you to answer that, and uh, we're wrapping up here shortly. But, folks, listen. If the president of the United States does anything, it's going to be big. It's going to cause ruckus because this president, everything he's done caused. So it does not shock me just because everybody is on board now and, and, and kneeling. I still don't, I'm not going to give all that credit to the devil and the one world government. I'm just not going to do it. I think Colin Kaepernick struck a chord in racist. I just, that's why I am. This brother believe different. Y'all heard him. It's fine. Okay, that's why we have this wonderful democracy. We can be on this phone talking like this. So, I agree with you on that, though. I agree with you on that. Don't never think that I don't think that Colin did make it. All right, all right, let me, let me, I got you. So, uh, all I'm saying, 
All I'm saying is I think that man Neil. I don't think nobody was telling him to kneel. I don't think he's getting paid to kneel. I don't think it's somebody in the background saying, you kneel, you're going to do it. I don't believe none of that. I think he just was pissed off at seeing black boys shot. He's sitting on that bench. Man, I ain't standing up for this blankety-blank fag. And they start complaining. He tried to comply by just going to a knee, kind of. Okay, I'm going to kneel. I ain't going to sit on the bench. I'll kneel. And they didn't like that. And so all of this whirlwind of stuff happened from that. I just believe that. Now we look up and it it turn. See, God is somewhere. God is something where. Yah, Yahweh, the Father, is somewhere moving. I just refuse to believe that the enemy is doing everything. He's got everybody scared. He's doing this. He's doing that. I know the Bible says who can do well with the beast. And while there is no one that can do well with the beast on the earth, the brother said it right. I can't change that. That's scriptural. But there was someone that did well with the beast. And that did put him down. The beast is being defeated in some areas. The beast ain't winning everybody's life, everybody beat down, every church beat down. No, there are some people that is beating down the beast in their life. It's just as far as the masses of people, he is winning, and who can do war with him on the earth? None of us can, unless you're full of the Spirit of the Father. And I just believe that this movement is a move of God to show us how wicked this nation is, and to cause God's people, the Most High's people, Yahweh's people, God's people, to bow the knee and to become closer to Him. That's what I believe, and I think that's what this brother believed, and that's the angle of this show tonight. We've presented all kinds of ways, but I and I, and I apologize for not getting all the clips of Obama, and uh, I had... Dale Hansen, I was going to play. Please, if y'all get a chance, I ought to just play it from, from this Internet because these people are not going to hold me back. I, I know. And, and just for the record, we're talking about something very positive. Blog Talk Radio is not allowing me to upload Obama. They're not allowing me to upload President Obama's response to Colin Kaepernick. I promise you. I'm looking at it right now with my eyes. I've got two computers going, and I have been going through this since 2011. Certain people, certain things. I'm telling y'all, y'all may not believe it. Okay, fine. But all I'm saying is this brother, I know he's saying it's true because I'm going through it right now. But that don't mean I'm not going to do no other show. I'm going to be on here next week talking about something else, probably the same thing, and I will have my it uploaded. I'm not going to stop marching because some devils is doing something or people led the devil. I'm not going to stop. And I think that they shouldn't stop kneeling, shouldn't stop praying, shouldn't stop fasting, shouldn't stop doing anything that the Father leads you if he's leading you. You know, and if you can't hear his spirit, I ain't going to be too super spooky because some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, then do what's morally sound. And you need to get close to the Father. I will encourage you to do that. But in the meantime, if you can't hear the Father, just follow some good cause. Don't sit around and just not do nothing. So I'm going to ask the brother this, and then I'll make some final comments. I'll let him have final comments. Then we're going to wrap this up. But be thinking, Brother Elisha, what should the youth do 
in mass when they get together and they all hype. What should they do after I say this last little thing? Folks, again, I love, and I'm sure this brother, we love people. I love all people. I love all people, and I believe Israel, us as a nation of people, have brought on what we're going through, not just our rebellion, but our forefathers' rebellion, and their forefathers' rebellion by not, according to Scripture, according to Scripture, here it comes, here it comes, they didn't pass down the precepts and the concept and the commandments to their generation and to teach them Always observe this. Always obey these scriptures. Always have to father the sin of your life. And, and teaching them the cultures of Israel, the commandments, they didn't pass those things down. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, and other parts of the scriptures as well, that if you don't do that, you are going to have it harder than any other nation. And you will not be able to rise. Now we find ourselves, 2017, fast forward, 2017, we find ourselves not being able to rise as a nation. Again, not individually, because if you obey God, you're in your household, you will be blessed and highly favored. That's the Bible. But we're talking about a nation. We find ourselves at the bottom. Well, how do we get at the bottom? Sin. Disobedience. Rebellion. So what got us here? Sin. Rebellion. Who's practicing it out? Right now, white people. It was uh, 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 Babylonians and, and other nations. But right now, it's Europeans. It happens to be white skin. So how can it change? We return back to our Elohim, our God. And guess what? These people will be called back. If my people, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which are called my name, to humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear. So I'm saying our deliverance is like Colin Kaepernick. He's got it halfway right. He's got one knee down. Go ahead and put the other knee down and turn to the Most High. We're just that close. We just got to turn to him as a nation. Second Chronicles 7.14, turn to him. Submit our hearts and not our garments, the Bible say, and he will bless us and restore us as a nation. That remnant will go on to do great things, the Bible says. Now, that's what I believe. And Trump has to do what he's doing. Now, he's a righteous man. He's a wicked man. But the Father has to allow this to happen, to bring his people to a repenting heart. Not all of us are going to repent. So what Brother LSU is saying is, is, is true. That's why I'm not totally throwing out everything he's saying. A lot of our people will perish. A lot of our people will perish, folks. Just get you. I just I don't like saying it. I wish it wasn't so. But according to the Bible, it even says that a lot of our people is going to perish. They're not going to submit to the Father. They're going to buy into this hate, a white man, and get into this all this hate that's got here. And a lot of them going to find themselves six feet under. Okay, but a lot of us is going to turn to the Father, and there is going to be that remnant that's going to be used. Israel is, the world is going to know who we are. It's already happening. It's too late. It's already happening. If you don't know, then welcome to the party. We are Israel, one of the lost tribes right here in America. Fulfilling prophecy, every single thing we're going through, we've pointed out on this show and other shows, is biblical. So you've heard two different presentations of one truth. What do you decide? What do you think? LSU.
Commissioner, I got a question for you again. It's still on the table. What should the youth do in mass when they come together? There might be 50 or 100 of them. What should they do? And then I'm going to uh, maybe come behind that, and we'll just close out with some, uh, with some conclusive uh, advice after that. Okay, well, three things is because uh, I'm family duty is calling, telling the children to be at that time. But um, I'll say this real quick. Um, first, real quick, let me say this. I'm not promoting apathy. There's no way in um, in the world that, for me, to understand this situation is to the degree that I do, and then I would promote apathy. You know, not at all. I would say, first of all, I'll go back to my original point, and that would be you need to come into the kingdom. By way and through the kingdom, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gives you wisdom, what gives you understanding, gives you knowledge. And from that, then you can devise creative ways to protest, just as Colin did. Colin didn't put himself in any he didn't put his safety in danger. Did he put his did he put his, his career in danger? Absolutely, because there are sacrifices to be made. And because and, and, we didn't get to where we get. You know, people talk about the civil rights. Well, the civil rights didn't come from just legislation. People lost their lives in the civil rights. People were beat. People were lynched during the civil rights. So, yes, that's going to happen. But the reality is if you're, going, if you're going to go to war, then you should war with wisdom. If you're going to go to war, you should war with a strategy. Now, that's what I'm saying about that. Now, I want to talk to everybody on the line. That means whether you are either oh, Israel. Oh, oh, oh. No, so it's going to be really, if you just let me do this as my last thing, because I'm really going to have to, can I'm have to put you on speaker there for a minute while you say, while you close out the show. But this is one last thing, because really, I think this is very important. Because again, we have to see this through the spectrum of the one who can give us wisdom on how to overcome it. And, and, and Revelations, real quick, Revelations 17, 12th verse, it says simply this. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no power and yet but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power unto the beast and strength to the beast. These shall make war with the lamb. Who is the lamb? These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him shall be called chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the horse fitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God, God, God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God were fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, while all this is going on with football, we don't understand that we are in the worst military national crisis in the history of America almost since the Bay of Pigs. Literally, by our president's words, he has declared war against North Korea. And then by the military's actions of their flyovers, coupled with his words, he has declared war against North Korea. The bottom line is this, is that we need to find the ark of safety, which is what I mean by that is the wisdom of God, not just from Elder Shua, not from just Seth Turner, but whomever, from within yourself, to do things creatively that will bring attention to the oppressions and the injustice. But in the reality is, is that this nation will be dealt with, but it will be dealt with just like all nations in the Bible. 
All nations in the Bible. How did he deal with them? John opened it up, and he clarified that. He allowed the Assyrians to come in upon the Israelites, and he dealt with them. Likewise, I just read in the scripture where it said that these kings shall give their power unto the beast for an hour, and they shall hate the whore, and they shall burn her with fire. Judgment is coming, people. The place is where the issue is where you're going to be when the judgment comes. Are you going to be like those of Noah and his family and be in the ark of safety? Or are you going to be like the people in the world and devise your own ways and mechanisms on how you might try to attempt to do war with the beast? So I'm telling you, there is no other place of safety but in the kingdom. And within the kingdom, I'm not just talking about religion. Then you talk, all the things that I've talked about, what gives me this insight, what gives me this understanding, what has, has led me to, to study this, to research that, to find out what's going on? The Holy Spirit. Through reading the word and through prayer and through crying out to him, I got the understanding and the wisdom. And there are many of you out there that listen to the sound of my voice who are on that same path. You don't claim Christianity. You might not even go to a church, but you're seeking God, and God is speaking to you. Hear his voice. Do not hear the voices of all the voices in the land, because many false prophets should rise in these days. So again, I'll leave you with that. I have nothing else to give you but that which thus saith the Lord, which he has decreed in his word. Call me religious, call me whatever you have, but you should know by now I'm not religious, the furthest things from it. But I have nothing else to give you but the truth. I cannot give you a fairy tale that you're going to make war the beast because, it even, as a matter of fact, it says that, 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 the, that the church fought against the beast and they could not prevail. And they could not prevail. And we are coming closely to that time, to the culmination of end time events, to where even the church will not be able to prevail against the beast. And that's when he shall crack the sky. As you saw him depart, so should you see him return. I love you, everybody. I thank you, Seth, for indulging me. Thank you again for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. I didn't think it was going to be this long, but I really have something that I have to get to. But, again, I apologize for that, but it is what it is. And, and as I said, thank you again. Seth, you, as always, man, you present a very good show. You, you open up the door for voices of different opinions. I just hope that the people do not take your labor and your works in vain. I hope that they understand that the reason you progress and you stay steadfast at this is because of your love for your people but also you have a prophetic eye and you can see what is coming and he's trying to prepare you for what is to come. You cannot ask any more from a servant of God in a prophetic time than that. With that said, shalom. All right, brother, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And, folks, uh, there you have it. And he is moving fast. I'm, I can appreciate what he's doing because i got to do the same thing. i got to bow out and wrap the show up. But, listen, it's been nice. Uh, folks, listen, just know that we love our people and uh, we love all people. There is, it's okay to do that. You know, it's, all, it's very scripture to love your people, Israel, and to love all people. White people is not a people. White is not a people. Black is not a people. There were certain types of people. Israelites was one of them. Jebusites, Amorites, uh, Am- Amorites, Jebusites, uh, Philistine. These are different nations. Uh, you can love your people. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But if people based upon race is a myth. I don't know, you know, I guess we should just say Gentiles. Everybody's so mixed now. The only people we know of is really Israel and Gentiles. Everybody else is so mixed other than Israel. And Israel is mixed too, but the way we know Israelites is by prophecy. 
So when we see people look at the prophecy, we know that they're Israel, simple and plain, nothing else. And we live out the prophecy. So tonight we've been talking about Colin Kaepernick kneeling and getting a lot of attention. And I think, yes, the Father is using him, Brother Elishua and, 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 and Brother John, you've heard them talk about not necessarily. The enemy could be using them as well. We don't know. Only the Father really knows. Um, but I still think the Father is in control of, of it all in terms of uh, his plan is going to be done. Remember these words, that it might be fulfilled. We all are being moved and moved to this way and that way, moved here and there, uh, kings rising, falling, governments rising, falling. And the Bible says several things is going to be done, but his will, his word is going to be fulfilled no matter what. So whatever we're talking about tonight, I hope that we added some light in knowing his will and what it is for this end time at this time in our life. Again, we're not cursed individually if you're obedient and you're following his word. You don't have to be perfect either. You don't have to be cursed. You don't have your young people don't have to die in the streets. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what the Father promised us. He promised protection for those that call on Him. It's just that nobody really calls on Him like they should. Nobody really seeks Him like they should. One scripture says the Father looked out the whole earth, and no one was doing that. that was in the Old Testament, you know. And I wonder how it is today. But very few people seek Him. But those that seek Him and obey His word, He promised. He promised. He promised. He promised so many things that make our life worth living. That is the only thing that make our life worth living. But those that don't obey him, then that's when we fall into this situation, especially if we're Israel, because certain curses are supposed to be of the nation. According to, verse, uh, according to Amos, the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 2, of all the nations of the earth, Israel, you have I known. Therefore, I will punish you for all of your transgressions. But don't fear that scripture. Just make sure you and your house obey the Father. But just know your nation is going to suffer, and that's why we're at the bottom of every single aspect of life. And uh, But the, the Bible does say that after 400 years, he would restore us. He would restore us. The Bible does talk about restoration to Israel. There's many, and again, we cover these types of topics in the show where we talk about how we know Israel. Again, go to Google, Google Five Smooth Stone Space Blog Talk Radio. Go to Google.com, type in Five Smooth Stone Space dot Blog Talk Radio, and just go to all that you see about who the real Israelites or black biblical Jews, and you can get more scriptures on this. But the Father does promise that even if Israel is disobedient, that he would remember the covenant he made with Abraham and redeem a remnant of them anyway. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the remnant. Now, he's gonna, the whole world is going to know who we are. But in terms of salvaging us, he does say that he's going to remember his covenant and not destroy his people completely and that a remnant would be spared. That's what that brother was saying. He's called to the remnant. I'm, I believe I'm just called to all of Israel and all of the world, really just letting them know who Israel is. And But, you know, uh, I talk a lot about my, our people, but I really feel a call to just tell whoever will listen this information. But my love, for sure, is for my people uh, first and then, as the Bible says, to salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. This 
song I'm about to play is going to finalize this show in a way I think that you'll appreciate. And um, just want everybody to know, just like the brother said, just stay in the spirit. Cry out to the Father. He loves us. He loves us. Oh, yes, he does love us because the Bible said he could have destroyed us a long time ago. Israel have always been rebellious and he yet have, have rescued our people over and over and over again. Over and over and over again, they was never rebellious. They, were, they was never a obedient people, but yet he allowed Israel to become one of the greatest nations of all time. And so, as Psalms 103 says, he would not always chide or not always give us what we deserve. Uh, so we are his. We're his. We're the apple of his eye. So I said, why is so important? We only talk about how we Israel because it's not going to make sense. All of this that we've been through as a people, if we don't know why it's child abuse, we cannot love in a healthy way a father that does these things to us unless we know why. And while we're submitting tonight, we're Israel, we're Israel, we're one of the lost tribes. The father loved us, and these things are done to us because of our own transgressions. Our own transgression. But remember, if you and your house, when you and your house, because I'm praying and hoping you will, turn to him, your loving father. Yes, he is a loving father. Look at all the blessings you have even in your life. And some of us are still rebellious. Yes, he is a loving father. We may not be like we once was as a people, but nothing can stop the fact that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob blood flow through our vein. We may do a part two next week. Stay tuned, everybody. I'll try to email everybody and let y'all know if we're going to do a part two or not. If we do, we're going to probably hit on some things we didn't have a chance to hit on tonight. So God bless every single one of you. As I say so often, I love every single one of you, no matter what you look like. Love every single one of you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Check this out. Good night. God bless. Hallelujah. Jesus has overcome the world. He's conquered the grave. And he has your life in his hands. What is your problem today that you're facing? He's conquered the grave. He can handle your situation. He will make a way when there seems to be no way. Set your eyes upon Jesus, the way maker. Hallelujah. We look to Jesus today. You made a way. You made a way. Don't know how, but you did it. You made a way. Standing here. Not knowing how we'll 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.